0: Today's episode of the Rewatchables on The Ringer Podcast Network brought to you by Vudu, a leading streaming app with a library of over 150,000 titles available to rent or buy and over 10,000 titles you can watch for free on their ad-supported on-demand service. Enjoy everything from the latest Hollywood blockbusters to your favorite indie films without subscriptions or contracts. You know what's on there right now? What? Stand By Me. Oh, yeah. I watch that one probably every 18 months. It's a great movie. Just think about my it. Wife's River favorites. Phoenix and just what could have been and Young Friendship, all that stuff. You can go to Voodoo right now and do it. Go to VUDU.com slash Rewatchables. Sign up and start watching today. That is VUDU.com slash Rewatchables. And we're also brought to you by Ringer Dish, our new podcast. Celebrity culture, personified. Have you been on Ringer Dish yet, Mel? Not yet. It's coming. I can't wait. Yeah, we got to cover. We got Tea Time. We got Jam Session. We got Celebrity Relations, Deep Dives, all kinds of stuff. For realsies? For realsies every like monthly teen culture. Uh, it's e- awesome. Euphoria Rewatchables? Euphoria <laughs> <laughs> Recapables. <laughs> check that out, Ringer Dish. And also, The Press Box has been spun off into its own podcast on the old Channel 33 feed. So check that out. Coming up, Chris Ryan, Natalie Rubin, and I are going to talk about Dead Poets Society. Captain my captain. You gonna cry yet, Val? Oh, the tears are starting. That's coming up right now.
1: Dare to walk a new path. Dare to strike out and find new ground. Touchstone Pictures presents Robin Williams. Well, is this a dagger I see before me? In the most highly acclaimed movie of the year, Robin Williams. He'll make you laugh. I like Byron. I give him a 42, but I can't dance to it. He'll make you feel. He's the day. I'm gonna do it! He'll make you care. Medicine, law, business, engineering. These are noble pursuits. But poetry, romance, love. These are what we stay alive for. Touchstone Pictures presents Dead Poet Society. Discover for yourself what all the cheering is about.
0: All right. I love this movie. This is the emo trio.
2: It's 30 years old. (laughs) This is the heartfelt, real, like,
0: emotions. Emotions run through this podcast. It's 30 years old. It's timeless because it's set in another time. So right there, it's set in the fifties. It feels like this Stop movie to 40s, 80s, medieval times. 1959. Yeah, man. 59. 59. So it's not like a movie from 1989 that feels like it's like, oh, 1989. It's actually set in the 1959. Yeah. Um Vintage Robin Williams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Vintage Super Young cast of People that when you saw the movie you were like, oh, all of these people are going to go on to great things. Mm-hmm. Um, taps into the English major side. Boy, does I know, it. I know you guys have. I fight it off, but this one got me. <laughs> 30 years later, what's your favorite thing about this movie, Chris Ryan? Oh. Well,
2: this was a, a really weird rewatch to go back to because I think it's the first time I've seen this movie where I'm closer to Keating's age than I am the kids.
3: Oh, uh, wow, interesting. So
2: it was definitely a experience this time where I, I was thinking a lot about Keating and Keating's character more than the kids. And but, how he
1: got railroaded?
2: Yeah, but I mean, for me, this movie is... You know, we did, we did this a lot with Field of Dreams where there's, you know, for as magical as that movie is, there's a lot of really universal stuff that happens with it. And I think that most people... And he, specifically the people who work in our industry and work with words or work with communication have a origin story of how they fell in love with this stuff. Yeah. And it's usually because of a teacher. It's usually because of one or two or three teachers that they had who taught them that literature was something that you could love as well as study. Yes. And that it could be your life. And that's like this movie captures that. That captures that relationship. Because a lot of the times I had somebody like that This guy, uh, when I was in early high school, who was, you know, just teaching the usual texts to us, Lord of the Flies, Tale of Two Cities, Mm -hmm. Scarlet Letter, but was also like the first adult who took me seriously. And it just winds up changing your life if it clicks in the right way. You know what I mean?
3: I'm already oh God. Already oh no. emotional That was so beautiful yeah, I'm that was well said, Chris. right? Oh, I'm deeply moved right now, Okay. I, I don't care what
0: fantasy says. I don't think you're overrated.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, man boy oh my God. I mean, what Chris just said is a microcosm of the power of the movie itself, yeah, you know, finding the courage to just say something that you believe and not care what other people think and if they're going to think that it's silly or stupid and just to believe in what you believe in because you know that it matters to you and that eventually you'll find other people that it matters to also. I was thinking as well about those formative years in high school and the teachers who really unlock something for you and help you believe in yourself and your own abilities to just Think about life and literature and who you are and what the world is and what it's all about. Obviously, I've spoken before on many podcasts about how my dad first gave me those stories, too. And it's just really cool to think back to that time in your own life and those universal themes about, you know, self-expression and choice and nonconformity, but also... The power of community and the power of stories and how stories can help forge that community. It's just really special. Shouts to Miss Lilquist and Mr. Reed, the two high school teachers who are that for me. Yeah.
0: Great Mr. people. Mr. Mitchell for me. Yeah, I told my daughter, because she's going to high school next year, I said, you're going to have three or four teachers slash coaches mm-hmm. that change your life. Mm-hmm. So she's already had one soccer coach that has had a huge effect on her. So there's one. There's probably three left. But I think everybody has three or four that just you can look back when you get older and you'd be like, that. before I met that person, I was here. And then this happened. Mm -hmm. And I know who mine are. I'm sure you guys know who yours are. But I think that's also my favorite thing about this movie, not just the teacher part, but the acting is so good by the kids. Yeah. The movie doesn't work as well, I don't think, if if those actors aren't great. And I, I left this movie 30 years ago. I remember who I saw with. This. I saw with my buddy Jim Grady. I thought Robert Sh- Sean Leonard was going to be like the biggest star in the world. <laughs> me too. Yeah. Me too. If you told me he was going to be the next like Pacino, I would have believed it. He mm-hmm. was so great in this movie. He's so enchanting. I don't think any of us saw the Ethan Hawke thing coming, which was this unintended benefit of this movie as a rewatchable, which five years later, he's in Reality Bites, which we've done on a pod. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's a kid from Dead Poets. And that now he's Ethan Hawke. But in this movie, there's like the seeds of Ethan Hawke. And he's doing a lot as an actor in this movie that I don't think you realize he's doing. Really tough part. In 1989. Yeah. And I, it's just, and it's also like all of the things I've ever liked about Robin Williams, who is for better and worse i think people love him in certain things don't like him in other things this is like the best version of him
2: yeah it's really hard to explain to people who are like maybe 20 years young younger than us and who are watching this movie and they only know robin williams obviously from you know his life tragically cut short but know him from his movie work to know, to like, you probably grew up with him on sitcoms. I, yeah, I was like, I remember Happy Days. I knew his comedy albums, we would like kind of play a little bit in school. And then also like, you know, um, Comic Relief was really big. So you would see like once a year, you would see his stand-up or something like that. Yeah. You do these like, frankly, like, if not coke-fueled, like, you know, energy, energy-driven energy stand-up routines. Well,
0: it was also his late-night appearances too were a big part of the yeah. Bob Williams thing. Yeah, Tonight's but he was, he was like
2: the biggest, com- one of the biggest comics out there, right?
0: Oh yeah, I it, think he was, it was him and of, Richard Pryor for a couple of years there.
2: And then 86 to 97 or 86 to 98 or something, it would be kind of like if Nick Tomorrow became the biggest actor in the world who also was nominated for four Academy Awards in right. 10 years. Yeah. Like, it's, it's hard to explain to people the leap he made because they only know him as, like, oh, it's like Mrs. Doubtfire. He was always just, like, an actor, right? It's Robin Williams. But when you saw Good Morning Vietnam, you were like, right.
0: holy shit. It'd be like if Jeff Ross was not—no, it's actually <laughs> it wouldn't be like that. No, yeah, it's—I think he was somebody that we always thought was exceptionally talented, though. Because, mm-hmm. they, you know, Mork and Mindy, if you watch those reruns now, it's like, how the fuck was this the number one show? And, you know, it's just an absurd show. And yeah. it only worked because he was so great in it, but— that's um, one of the
3: things that's so special about this performance, too, is I mean, in many ways, the movie, which obviously we all love, that's why we're here, yeah. it, it can be very self-serious at times. And the moments where he injects comedy and levity and that improvisational spirit, you know, doing the the voices when he's teaching the kids Shakespeare and things yeah, like doing that and stuff, yeah, he's yeah. still actually injecting that. DNA that might have been more familiar to people before this, but it's this whole new version at once. And that marriage and that harmony feels totally organic.
0: Yeah. Do you feel like this was a sports movie for English majors? Yeah, in a lot of ways. It was like the natural? Because I remember in college, this movie came out when I was in college, one of our roommates, The Worm Sean Krause, who was like big, (laughs) big English major, like wrote a crazy Hunter Thompson type for our (laughs) newspaper and was just really in, like he went to Prague Junior is like one of those Went to kids. Prague, went to Prague? You'd be like, reading, oh, I've been to Prague. <laughs> um, but this was like his movie and we used to argue about it. And it was the same year Field of, Dream, Field of Dreams came out. And I I really liked this movie. I think I like it more as I've gotten older. But yeah. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like Field of Dreams, Bull Durham were my movies. And then Dead Poets was like for- him, and there was a little bit of a that has the same
2: mechanics of putting the team together, too. Those kids are all just like, Well, I gotta do trig homework, we gotta do history homework, and then they all of a sudden become this, this sort of ragtag ba- band of artists. I do want to, I wanted to touch a little bit on like when it's set. And you, you know, you mentioned the kind of it feels a little bit timeless, but uh, I hadn't really thought about it when I saw it, probably the first few times. But you know, this is pretty much the kids in this movie in '59 would be a little bit younger than my mom was at 59. And mm. I remember she used to tell me a lot. Like, she grew up in, like, a lefty Jewish New York family. Her father father was a teacher. Like, like pretty pretty, like, progressive for the time. But even then, she would be like, I would write poetry and he would go through it with a red pen mm-hmm. and, like, adjust the meter... And correct typos. He wouldn't be like, this is an incredible expression. And yeah.
3: He that, was reading Dr. Pritchard. That's right. The,
2: the perfection scale. <laughs> but this was a time period where there was still like, even in the most sort of liberal progressive families, like a pretty domineering parenting style, I think, was, was pretty right. pretty consistent there. And right around then, so like, I think Rebel Without a Cause comes out in 55. Yeah. And On the Road, I think is 57, but I could be wrong. But like, there's, like, this explosion where, yeah. like, now all of a sudden you walk look the around. The generation. Yeah. And yeah. and my mom always told me about, like, when, when Rebel Without a Cause came out, it was, like, the first time she had ever seen someone act the way she felt,
4: mm-hmm. James Dean. Yeah.
2: And you can tell that that's supposed to be who these guys are. That they're, like, just sort of starting to get in touch with, like, mm-hmm. we don't have to be, like, our dads.
0: Well, wasn't that was Ebert's biggest criticism yes. of the movie that he— they. They kind of ignored that whole side of things.
3: Right. That you didn't have them reading Kerouac and Ginsburg yeah, yeah. and Burroughs
2: along with But the they were
3: like classics.
2: T- Tony New England kids, right? Like they were pretty like I don't know. I didn't know, I don't know how prevalent on the road was They're Vermont
0: then. boarding school kids. Yeah, right. Did you go to boarding school? I did a PG year one year. Okay. Yeah. Um, here's the thing I love boarding school movies.
3: Mm-hmm. Great. <laughs> yeah.
0: Even even Toy Soldiers, I really liked. Dude, I love Um, Toy Soldiers. (laughs) Toy Soldiers is really good. There's something about Apex Mountain. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) by the way, season nine of Rewatchables will be doing (laughs) Apex Mountain. But um, do you like Taps? Yes. Yeah. I'm not kidding when I say I like every single boarding school movie. (laughs) And I think this is the best one. Mm. So it's like, all right, what do I like about boarding school movies? Well, you're taking. You're putting all the—especially you're putting all these boys together, and there's just a lot of shit going on with that. Anytime there's a woman introduced, it's, like, introduce, almost like introducing an alien to mm-hmm. their whole weird world. The teachers have a huge impact. And there's always, like—you can pretty easily do, like, all right, that guy's the jock. That guy's the love yeah, the woman. the architect, That guy—you yeah, right. can hit the archetypes really easily. Yeah. And then you can put roommates together, which is the other thing. So you have—in this movie, you have Neil— I'm not going to do it yet. Um, you have Neil. <laughs> you
3: almost, I can see your no, lips No, I'm,
0: I'm saving Twitch. It. Neil, <laughs> you have him, who's like the star of the class, basically. And mm-hmm. then you have Todd, the mm-hmm. legacy brother, who is just afraid of his own shadow. And now they're thrown together, and they have to get along. Yeah. And their relationship, as it develops, that's what boarding school is. And that's why I couldn't believe I sent you guys the deleted scenes yeah. from the Laserdisc. And there's this one scene of them practicing lines for neil's play and I, I couldn't believe they didn't put that in because it was like that's the most important relationship in the movie is yeah. those two it's not mr keating's a proxy for how these kids are going to grow but it's mm-hmm. like those two are the heart of the movie i think
3: yeah when, the desk throwing scene is were you so guys touching.
2: did you guys stay friends with the people you roomed with your first year of college like was roommates were, were, were you like I easily can be friends with, like, whoever I'm, like, asked to live with. Or were you a
3: little bit more like, I can't wait to get out of here and get my own place? My dearest friends to this day, other than you guys, of (laughs) course, and Halo, my cat, are the people I met on my freshman year dorm floor Mm -hmm. and the people from my, like, journalism school orientation group. Carmelo Anthony and Akeem Warwick.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All my friends from college, I was on the same floor with freshman year. Yeah, yeah. You just get thrown together, and that's it. That's, that's it the goes. thing. Like,
3: I, it it has to be a high school movie because the difference in like what we are talking about with the teachers. Obviously, people have teachers who have play a, a, a outsized role in their lives, mm-hmm. who come into their lives in college as well. But there's something just fundamentally different about where you are and as you're discovering who you are as a person in high school to college. But the boarding school aspect facilitates that part of the college experience in the high school years. And that gets back to your question, too, about is it like a sports movie in a way? Well, what's a society? What's a club? It's a team. Sure. And what's just the floor in the hall where you sleep and the people you take class with and you're studying your chemistry books with? All of that is a sense of team and community. And there's something that you actually, like, even with your spouse and your family, you never quite replicate again in your entire life. Other than that college or boarding school experience or maybe like summer camp is the only other thing that approximates it where every single thing you do in your life, every single thing you're sharing with the same
0: people. So the poetry scenes are like the sports scenes in a sports movie?
3: Yeah. I mean, they're literally kicking soccer balls as they're reciting lines.
0: I have questions about the soccer scene.
2: So I went to Temple for a year before I went. I transferred to Emerson. And you're just, just sucking up to oh
0: Temple the college. Yeah, you no yeah. I, I thought you meant like, actual Temple. No, you're just sucking <laughs> no, up to mouth. It's like
2: <laughs> be my second, second Jewish. Jewish <laughs> I went to Temple University for a year before I went to Emerson, and my I grew up pretty close to Temple, so I didn't. I went mm-hmm. and moved into Temple freshman year, and then I was like, "This is crazy. Why do I have to like?" share a bathroom I just move home because I'm gonna I want to transfer anyway but the first night I stayed at temple I remember like I met this guy who I was assigned to live with and he was like hey man do you like fish the band and I was like I've never heard them and he was like do you want to come see fish with me and I and I was like I was gonna go meet up with like a friend from high school tonight and I always think about, like, what would have happened if I oh had gone my to a fish concert? Oh That's my a God. sliding
3: doors moment in
0: your yeah.
2: life. Ser- seriously, because the door would have slid, and I probably would have taken mushrooms, and I never would have been. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. Just sli- sliding down the aisle.
2: <laughs> I would have been called, like, hacky sack, oh and I would God. have been dealing LSD outside of, like, the Great Jones Pavilion.
0: <laughs> You'd have, like, an Art Garfunkel perm <laughs> yeah, right exactly.
3: now. exactly. <laughs> a black light in your room. <laughs>
0: yeah, it is funny. Um... All right, so this movie was nominated for an Oscar mm-hmm. in 1989. No small feat. That was a pretty good year. Made $235 million worldwide. Fifth highest for 1989. People really came out for this, and this is on top of the year before Good Morning Vietnam, Robin Williams. Now he's an A-plus lister. Right. It won Tom Schulman the Best Original Screenplay Oscar. Mm-hmm. It was based on his experiences at the Montgomery Bell Academy in Nashville, Tennessee. He had an inspirational teacher named Samuel Pickering. 7.3 Rotten Tomatoes. I don't understand what you people are doing out there. Roger Ebert's review, largely negative, Two out of four <laughs> stars. Criticized Williams for spoiling an otherwise credible dramatic performance by veering into his comedian's per- persona and wrote, quote, a collection of pl- pious platitudes. The movie plays lip service to qualities and values that on the evidence of the screen bay itself... It is Cheerfully Willing to Abandon. Wow. Raj. Tough one for Raj. Raj is in a slump now on the rewatchables. He? <laughs> he had a really good start of the year, and then it's kind of flipped on him. What a was bit.
2: Raj's take on Austin Powers 2?
0: <laughs> Not a fan. Didn't like it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I stand with Raj.
0: <laughs> so one of the calling cards with this movie was the cast. Mm-hmm. And I remember in the marketing of it, it was like we went out and we found these awesome actors. Mm-hmm. Which I don't—do you remember this hap- that happening before this? The yeah, Stand I mean, By Me that, had four Well, there was, there's, there was a bunch
2: of movies. I remember when you would like read premiere movie line back in the late 80s and the 90s. Yeah. There would be this, the news and notes section in the beginning where oh. it would be like casting rumors and stuff. And there would be movies like this, like uh, Flatliners, I remember. It was like, oh. what are we doing, Flatliners? I love
3: Flatliners. <laughs> what are we doing? Kiefer.
2: <laughs> uh, every <laughs> young star in Hollywood is yeah. reading for this role. You know what I mean? Like, it right. would just be these, like, yeah. ensemble young movies where it was, like, anybody from 15 to 22 is basically trying out to get a part in these movies. Mm-hmm. And I, I would imagine... It's like
3: when we're hiring a new blogger. I was
2: watching a video of, uh, like, I was, like, however many years later, 25 years later or something, 20 years later, because the hawk looks pretty young in the video. They're talking about the process, and Robert Sean Leonard said he read, like, three or four times before he even tested for Peter Weir, the director, mm-hmm. then screen tested with Hawk. So he was like, it was endless. Callback, callback, callback. Chemistry test with different people. So it sounds like a lot of different people were up for these roles.
3: And they changed directors, yeah, right? Yeah. So that delays the process considerably sure. too, I would think. You Burning know, down sets.
0: This has become one of my favorite things <laughs> when I have – famous actors on the pod mm-hmm. asking about, like, their class.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Because they're all, like, you know, testing for the same parts over and over again for three, four, five years. Like, it, all those crews, Rob Lowe, all those guys knew each mm-hmm. other in 1981 because they're all trying out for the same the parts. The guns. Yeah, and yeah. I think this era was became kind of an era, it feels like, because I'm sure, like, River Phoenix was... Part of that group, and um, all the guys in this movie, and just was kind yeah, of yeah. These all knew guys: each other.
2: Josh Charles, Robert Sean Leonard, Ethan Hawke. I think uh, Josh Hamilton, who's in a bunch of Noah Baumbach movies, and I, I'm that's, always really like that's our guy. Yeah, but he's he's friends with those guys. He's, he they, became Grover. It all worked out. Yeah, and they have all done a bunch of theater together, and they all talk really fondly of each other. Still, yeah. that's beautiful. Um, other I,
3: than your homie, Gail Hansen, who <laughs> was quietly almost 30 when this was made. And-
0: <laughs> a lot of Gail. I, I want to get to the categories because there's so much to dive into here. But let's take a quick break. Let's take a break talk about the Black Tux. They believe every groom deserves a better experience when it comes to renting a suit or tuxedo for their big day. It was actually started by two guys who had one of the worst tuxedo fittings you can imagine. The Black Tux's easy online ordering process brings your suit or tuxedo Straight to you. Just pick a style at the blacktux.com. Request a free home try on so you can feel the fit and quality before you commit. And if online is not your style, the Black Tux also has showrooms all over the country from there. They'll ship your order two weeks before your wedding so you can check it out one last time. You won't find a rental experience or designs like the ones you'll find at the Black Tux anywhere else. You know he uses the Black Tux? Young ringer staffers who go to a lot of weddings. I am almost at the stage where my daughter and son's friends will have weddings. I'm probably like 10 years away. And then I'll have to wear tuxes again. The ringer staff, we're in it right now. Nephew Kyle is wearing black tux. Craig's Craig's doing black tux. Um, everyone says super easy. And if you want your wedding to be remembered for the right reasons, rent your suit or tuxedo at theblacktux.com. Enjoy $20 off with code rewatchables. That's theblacktux.com. Code rewatchables for $20 off your purchase. The black tux. Formal wear for the moment. Hey, let's talk about MSX by Michael Strahan, available exclusively at JCPenney. Raise your game with MSX by Michael Strahan, athletic inspired, functional pieces designed for guys who are always in the go. MSX by Michael Strahan was created to be versatile from working out, playing golf, or just relaxing. It has you covered athletic inspired with functional pieces, including MSX basics, pants, shorts. Shirts, sweatshirts, outerwear available in big and tall and boys' sizes too. They sport high-tech features like no-shape seams, UV protection, quick-dry stretch technology, and much more performance-enhanced designs built to go everywhere. You go MSX by Michael Strahan, available exclusively at JCPenney. Visit a store near you or go to jcp.com. Explore Michael's lifestyle content on michaelstrahan.com. All right, most rewatchable scene. Mm. I somehow have eight.
3: Eight? I have nine. There's
0: like <laughs> 15 <laughs> scenes in this movie. It's like, well, exactly. it's tough. Because there's just some awesome scenes. <laughs> First one I have is when Keating meets the kids. Yeah. And he brings them into the lobby. Yes. And he does the car pay. Incredible. That scene is just great. Yeah. And they use Robin Williams almost like the shark and jaw in this movie. They're just very careful with how they bring they it not overexpose them. 15, 20 them. minutes in. He comes in big. Yeah. And you even see it in the laser disc deleted scenes where there's a couple of really important scenes with mm-hmm. Keating that could have put in the movie. But I, he must have thought like a little less is more with Keating. So every time you saw him, there was real impact. Right. That scene's awesome. And I just. I told Amanda Dobbins was filming a test show for Big Little Live today. And I went to her and I said, just remember remember Dead Poets Society when he takes them in? (laughs) And he's like, all these these kids in these photos are now dead? Like, we're all going to be dead someday. Who cares? Just go out and have fun in Big Little Live. I had Amanda take that. She thought it was funny.
3: Okay. You showed her some film from us in Talk to Thrones and said, they're not that different from you, are they? (laughs) Same haircuts.
0: They're fertilizer now. These these Talk
3: to Thrones cast,
0: they're all gone. (laughs) Yeah. Um,
3: That scene is incredible. It's just a sense right away that something totally strange, but also special and transformative is happening and... The rational part of your brain, as you're watching that, says, "Okay, well, look, would I be able to opt in right away to what's happening? Is it natural that the kids are opting in so quickly to what's happening? Obviously, you have the, you know, the requisite like hmm, moments, but you're so." enchanted yeah. by just the magnetism of what's playing They do a really of good job set,
2: setting up how boring the other teachers
0: are, yes, too. absolutely. The Latin,
2: like, agricola. <laughs> agricola. <laughs> the Latin scene is great. Um, my, dude, also, my, my dude
0: Bobby <laughs> Leonard is really good in that scene, too. Yeah, I call him Bobby Leonard. Bobby, uh, it's the joy in his yeah. <laughs> scene, Bobby Sean Leonard. When I
2: rewatched that scene, I thought about also, like, they, that would have been, so, 59, like, mm-hmm. it's like, Keating's generation and... Neil's father's generation is, like, is World War II, and, like, yeah. those guys had, like, lost a lot of friends, probably, and gone through a lot of trauma that the kids in 59 probably don't even understand. They're like, yeah. the world we grew up in, like, America is a superpower, and we have everything we could ever want, all these opportunities, and Neil dad says that all the time. He's like, you don't understand what I gave up, and... I never had the opportunities that you have. Weirdly, like, very pro-Neil's dad in this movie all of a sudden. Oh, God. What a take. I think though
0: <laughs> he's, he's trying to get me to do it.
2: <laughs> you're gonna. You're, you're not gonna no. be able that to was, maintain that, the that's discipline. Not, that's just like my, uh, I, my my Clay Travis take. <laughs> yeah. The
1: real hero, <laughs> Dead Poets <in> <laughs> is Neil's dad. <laughs> <laughs> get some one. good ideas.
3: <laughs> one of the things that's so great about the scene is that Both of the things that you guys have said already are true. Like, you feel the specificity of each generation, but also you feel why the message of the film and the film itself is timeless. Like, the themes that unite these people across time and these ideas that serve as a bridge across history and across generations. And, you know, when he says, if you listen real close, you can hear them whisper their legacy to you. Go on, lean in, listen, you hear it. It's like... You find yourself actually leaning yeah. in toward your TV yeah. as that's happening. It's just so mesmerizing. And then one of the best lines in the movie is in that scene, seize the day, boys, make your lives extraordinary.
0: Yeah. Oh, she's getting well done. That's Here all anybody
3: wants, you know? Someone <laughs> the tell you to tell you to make your life extraordinary. Is,
0: you know, obviously none of us have been in school for a long time. But there was that moment being in school that I missed where that first day of class, where you just kind of never knew what the teacher it was, almost like being on a date. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the occasionally there would be this teacher. I remember my sophomore year in college, the best teacher at Holy Cross was this guy, Professor Vanicelli, who's a political science guy. And I got into his class because I was a major. And my friends were like, that guy's going to eat you alive. Because oh, yeah. at that point, yeah, I was Vandicelli, like, just barely doing yeah, enough yeah. to. I had a 2-5 freshman year. I was barely doing <laughs> any you, homework. So you you would have been
2: academically disqualified from the basketball <laughs> team? Yeah, yeah. People,
0: seriously. Holy Cross would have had to
2: vacate their title so, if they had somehow had you on the team.
0: So people were like, he's going to eat you up. You got you actually have to work in that class. I was like, I'll be fine. So I actually like took it seriously. And the first day he was in, he was this Italian guy with a big accent. And he was just such a character. And I, he just from the get-go, all of it, it was like a Mr. Yeah. Keating moment. And you know it's you just you might meet two teachers like that ever he was great got a B plus in his class but <laughs> there you go girl. yeah um, he actually he brought me in my midterms because mm-hmm. I wrote he gave me an A for the midterm I wrote this paper and he brought me and he was like hey I, I checked gave me basically a pep talk he was like saw your grades freshman year what's wrong with you <laughs> why why aren't you doing better Like, this paper was great. What's going on with you? Like, he was like genuinely, I was like, I don't know, I'm in college. I'm just like going out and staying up till three in the morning. Like (laughs) He saw the potential in you. He did. He saw potential.
3: Just like Keating and Neil.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Neil. (laughs) Next rewatchable scene. I love ripping the understanding poetry part out of the book. Mm. Fucking kills me.
1: Mm -hmm. How can you describe poetry like American Bandstand? I like Byron. I give him a 42, but I can't dance to him. (laughs) I want you to rip out that page. Ooh. Rip out the entire page. You heard me. Rip
0: it out. Rip it out. And then the fucking Cameron the Fink with the ruler, like, <laughs> carefully. All of that is just really. The ruler part's great. Really well done. And just in general. Cameron the narc. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Cameron the narc. Having a teacher just be like, rip pages out of a book oh, when you're in boarding yeah. school had Thrilling. to be incredible. Uh, some good quotes in there, Mal. Poetry, beauty, love, this is what we stay alive for.
4: Incredible. The powerful
0: play goes on, and you can contribute a verse. What will your what verse, will your verse be? be? They just made that into an Apple commercial, right? That speech. What will your verse be is a really, really, yeah. really, really great quote. Yeah, that's on the best quote. And it's one of those things where you see that, and you go, like, yeah, Especially when you get older, like, was my verse good enough? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, <we> look inside. <laughs> That was my verse. Craig, what will your verse be?
2: I don't know, guys. I gotta go. I gotta go figure out. What I'm <laughs> Craig's like, I am retired. Craig,
1: figure from out
0: podcast your, engineering. Craig, figure to out your verse. Poetry. Get your shit together, man. You're like twenty-five.
3: One of the reasons that's such a good line though, like the mo the real flexes in the movie are the moments when you can't quite tell right away which line is from the screenplay and which line is poetry oh, that yeah, they're quoting. Right. And yeah, so yeah. that line plays off of a Whitman quote it, from Omeo. Yeah, Omeo Life. So that's a, uh, and you may contribute a verse. Mm-hmm what will your verse
0: be? Next rewatchable scene when he explains Shakespeare, which is really funny. The Brando. Really good Robin That's Brando's. what made me Incredible. think of the James Dean Classic stuff he's doing Williams.
2: on the waterfront kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah,
0: Doing different accents and then he gets everyone to stand on the desk.
1: Now many of you have seen Shakespeare done very much like this. Oh, Titus, bring your friend hither. <laughs>
4: but if any of you have seen Mr. Marlon Brando, no, Shakespeare can be done from France. Romans, countrymen, <laughs>
0: let me rest. <laughs> Strive to find your own voice. The longer you wait to begin, the harder it will be to find it at all. That's an it's incredible It's a fucking quote. awesome line. And it ends with him leaving, the kids leave it or whatever. And he's like, everybody's going to have to do this on Monday. Even you, Mr. Anderson. <laughs> I know how much that scares you. Like, what a fucking mindfuck! I know. Bad coaching job by Mr. Keating. I felt like.
3: Well, he broke through eventually. But Accountability, man. What would
2: Belichick do? Would Belichick just go up to Anderson and be like, "There's ten poets right out there that I can get to replace you for cheaper"?
3: <laughs> Belichick yeah. would have just waved. Lower <laughs> salary Anderson. cap too.
2: What would Belichick? <laughs> Dead poets society with Belichick is an amazing oh bit. God. What um, would that? If you were gonna do a Netflix movie, it's Belichick retires from the Pats. And teaches like military coaches at a history. 1959 <laughs> Vermont yeah. school. He's like, uh, he's
3: at the military academy that Neil's dad wanted to send him to. Yeah, that's where Belichick is. No, it Here should to be- tell
2: you guys about the Monitor versus the Merrimack <laughs> in the uh, Civil War
0: maritime military action. No, there should be a time a time machine animated series where Belichick goes back in time to just coach high school at a 1959 <laughs> boarding school and just picks apart Todd Anderson. <laughs> Todd, he Todd has that breakthrough with the hand on his thing and the the sweaty toothed man. Yeah. yeah, and then he's like, "That was good, Todd. Yeah, do your job, Todd. Do your job, Todd."
3: Todd's <laughs> parents ask for the report. He says, "I have twenty five students. I don't have time to to watch just this one student <laughs> at practice today."
0: He leaves a book in the desk, and it's just like some lame book. What would he leave? What would be Belichick's version of a the Keating book? What was that book called? Five centuries. It would just
2: be. It would, it would just, just be Dr. Z's thinking man guys to football. The, dry, the driest <laughs> World
0: War II history. Um,
3: Five centuries of verse. Yeah.
0: Next one. Um,
3: the other iconic quote in that scene, though, the standing on the desk yeah, scene, yeah, yeah. is I stand up on my desk to remind myself that we must constantly look at things in a different way. The world looks very different from up here. I mean, one of the key ideas in the movie is perspective and pushing yourself to try to find a new perspective and allowing yourself to find a new perspective and understanding that you have to be the propulsive force there the engineer of that aspect of your life because other people don't want that for you right people want you to see the world their way and so if you want to see it differently you have to make that choice yourself you have to climb on the desk it's great
0: shaking people out of their comfort zone mm-hmm. yep. making them look at it from a foot different than they're usually look at it it's a good scene not as good as the next scene though Todd freestyling the poem it's incredible stuff like, like a blanket
1: that always leaves your feet cold <laughs> Forget them, forget them. Stay with the blanket. Tell me about that blanket. You you, 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 you push it, stretch it. It'll never be enough. You kick at it, beat it. It'll never cover any of us. From the moment we enter crying to, to the moment we leave dying, it'll just cover your face as you wail and cry and scream. I just want
2: to, <laughs> we didn't really mention. Don't you forget this. We didn't really mention Peter <laughs> Weir, but. So no, he, we, I, yeah. I was saving it, but okay. let's do
0: it now. This is a good time to do it. Uh, the what, circle camera scene yeah, is oh fucking out of control. One of the most Amazing. underrated
2: directors of the last thirty or forty years. Yeah. Picnic at Hanging Rock, Year of Living Dangerously, Witness. What, I mean, yeah, Witness. You where know how he, I feel about she, Witness. she he serves up the hottest person of all time.
3: Dude. I'm, look out, I'm turning bright red. <laughs>
2: just, just Harrison Ford, Witness, getting it's all been Amish. replaced
0: by Tyler C in the bathroom.
2: <laughs> 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 um, Truman Show, Dead Poets, uh, and one of my personal favorites, White Squall. Yeah, great. That was a great movie, uh, and also Master and Commander. But the mm-hmm. the the camera work in the scene, and also all the actors in the in the making of documentaries talked about like the environment that he created and the kind mm-hmm. of freedom he gave them, and the feeling that they were collaborators with him. And there's an electricity in that scene that like it just doesn't happen. It doesn't happen in most movies where
0: you just are like holy crap, this is, like, really happening. It's also, yeah. like, a how did they do that scene. Yeah. Where, like, how to pull off the acting that they pulled off with a camera following them around in a circle is just hard to do. And to, to know do.
2: Williams is going to go crouch down and, like, know when Hawk is going to be competent and start going with it. And, and it was, it's just, it's it's my favorite scene in the movie by far.
0: By the way, he is... Williams is a great actor. Yeah. I don't think he made great choices, and I think when he was bad, there was very few stars who were worse. But when he was really good, he was as good as anybody. I think.
2: Yeah, this is like this is up there with it's not your fault, and uh, you know some of the best, the most iconic scenes. Love Robin.
0: Yeah, the
3: way he says, "Don't you forget this" at the end, and every the whole one of the points of the scene is that everybody is there, everybody is bearing witness to what's playing out, but they're also completely alone in this one moment with each other. When
2: he, my favorite line is when when he says the blanket line for the first time and they all start laughing. He's like, don't look at them. Yeah, don't forget them. them, forget yeah.
3: them. Yeah. That's incredible. That's incredible. The, the 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 way that the camera swirls also just makes you feel like you're completely embodying mm-hmm. Todd in that moment because part of what's playing out for him is like the swirl of his, not only emotions and his thoughts, but his actual identity. You know, you said he, he's this legacy kid. Everybody knows who his brother is, obviously under this immense amount of pressure from his parents who can't even remember yeah. that they got him the same birthday gift two years in a row, somebody who, you know, is scribbling poems in his notebook but doesn't have the courage and the confidence to say it out loud. And, like, when you find somebody in your life who helps you unlock that, who believes in you, it's just a really, really, really special and incredible thing. I think also, like, There's a world in which you watch this scene in 2019 and you're like, oh my God, the teacher has his hands on a student and he's bullying him. And the fact that you're not thinking about those things actually when you're Mm. watching it and you're just totally captivated by the poetry, (laughs) it's an achievement. It really is. I think you're wrong. I think you have something inside of you that's worth a great deal.
0: Incredible. Mm. And Ethan Hawke, really good in this movie Mm -hmm. and especially in that scene and- this could have gone wrong in a lot of different ways. This scene specifically, oh, yeah. especially with the wrong actor, even the little smile he has after he realizes he pulled it off. Dude, it's also Pride. really hard. Like, it's really good. It, there, there are movies where there are all these little tests for movies where there's
2: anything, cr- any kind of creativity that's being documented. Mm-hmm. If it's not, oh, well, this is uh, the Johnny Cash movie, so he just has to sing Walk the Line. And that has its own challenges. But I often think about this and that thing you do Together, where it's like when these guys have to be creative, or when the the Oneiders have to be creative, and when that thing you do, it's really like a dangerous thing. If that song sucks, the right. movie doesn't work. Right. If, if the this poem's poem bad is yeah. bad, mm-hmm. the movie kind of doesn't go anywhere. I mean, it's yeah. just good enough that you are like, man, maybe Todd is <laughs> a fucking genius. Yeah. Sweaty Tooth Man. something to yeah. say. Yeah. I wonder.
0: I wonder how many versions of the Sweaty Tooth Man poem did they yeah. actually even work? Or on?
2: what did they even like? What was?
0: What were some of the other takes of that? Yeah, for sure. That scene is fucking awesome. Um, I should also mention, it leads right into the soccer montage, mm-hmm. which I also really loved. <laughs> That's and That's wild. Montages are usually a disaster, especially in movies before, like, 1994. And that whole scene is just really good. It's really well filmed. It feels like New England. Mm-hmm. All of that. That whole stretch is great. Um, next we watch, but I got to put this in. It's not a feel-good... Not a feel-good scene, but... Uh, Todd finding out that Neil is dead. Oh, yeah. Pretty Gut pretty punch. rough.
2: Yeah. I don't know if it's a rewatchable. It's not the scene that I fast forward to.
0: No, but I, I felt like I, I didn't want to put it in what stage the best. I didn't know where to put it, but I just had to kind of mention that uh, that scene's really great. And apparently they had one take for it. Wow. Because mm-hmm. of the snow and something about the light. And they basically, Ethan Hawke had to just crush it in this one thing. And that was it. But I think... One of the things I like about that scene is his friends are really—you just tell those guys are all friends. There's a friendship that comes out of that Mm -hmm. that's not just, like, written in a script where these guys are going to do this. Like, you can really see how much they love him, and it's just good.
3: One of the things that popped up in the the internet research is that Weir had them all live together. Mm -hmm. Like, actually had the kids all bunk together to help forge that sense of— genuine community and friendship and There's it plays out. There. Yeah, and yeah. also like in something like the the Todd's poem scene, the other thing that he did apparently was f- was film chronologically, mm-hmm. which obviously is extremely uncommon for a movie, but part of what that then leads to is this really organic sense of evolution in their relationships with each other so right. that when they get to the, that end point, you really feel like they have traveled that road in order in a linear fashion together, which they have. You
0: stepped on what age the best with that Sorry, subject, but that's all right. Yeah, I... <laughs> I think that's really (laughs) smart that he did that. Because he really wanted them to all Uh, care about each other and have real relationships. Yep. And well, off of what Mallory just said, when Robert Sean Leonard, when he dies as Neil, he had him like leave the set, like he didn't come back.
2: Really? Wow. They had
0: him he wanted those guys to feel like they lost somebody. So they didn't even say goodbye to him. He was just the next day he was gone and he wanted that to affect how they handled, like, the next couple wow. scenes and stuff, which My is goodness. really kind of smart and also, like, borderline evil. Um, Dalton punches Cameron the fink. <laughs> you just signed your expulsion papers, Nwanda. That all scene's great. He's such a fink. That is... I hate Cameron. Also, the luggage room. He clocks him. He does. He gets yeah, It's not like,
2: oh, it's like it kind of makes... He drills that dude. I was kind of like, Cameron's not getting up from that.
0: Everything about that scene is great because everybody... In college or in boarding school, there's always that one guy nobody trusts. And then he comes in the attic, hey, what's going on, guys? And just really good stuff. And then the last You guys hour, burning
3: incense in here?
0: Do you have another rewatchable scene? Because the last one for me is the ending, which I wanted to talk about.
3: But. I do. I had a couple more before that. The The conformity walking scene. Yeah. Love that one. Choosing the,
0: my power not to- What does he yeah, say? Not Choosing to walk. my right not to, my power not
3: to walk. That's the, the Robert Frost- quote, two roads diverged in the wood and I took the one less traveled by and that made all the difference. But again, just this perfect encapsulation of one of the core ideas of the story that it's okay to be different. It's okay to just Mm -hmm. be who you are and to not feel like you have to be someone else. And also, whether you want to do what other people are doing or whether you want to do your own thing, that the key is really understanding why you're making that choice whatever yeah. the choice mm-hmm. is and just having that level of self-awareness and the ability to be introspective and also like a lot of the strong scenes in the movie it's deeply insightful but also has these like moments of levity and joy yeah. that that it from being like yeah too like heavy. when the kid
2: does the cat sat on the mat poem and he's just like yeah. i don't care if it's simple but don't waste the opportunity right you know?
3: Yeah, that's a great one. I also like the the. That's what Todds. we say to bloggers
2: every day. You know? Exactly right. It's a Kyrie Irving trade rumor. Don't waste the
0: opportunity. Suck the marrow out of it. <laughs> <laughs> the death set you: The death go set you. scene
3: is good. I think that's a really nice moment for their friendship, as you noted, yeah. one of the most important relationships in the story, and it's a really great insight into both of those characters. Who Todd is, why he's struggling, and also what makes Neil such a compassionate person, mm-hmm. you know, which is a important thing to, to find in your life. Um, I also think the first actual Dead Poet Society meeting scene. Is great when they it's, it's spooky. You know they have like, the their yeah. Yeah. like their Hogwarts
2: clothes on and they're it's got like that's lights. the most eighties moment in the movie. It's a little too over the <laughs> like, top for me. Yeah, yeah. You know, all of a
3: sudden, it's very
0: <laughs> it weird. Yeah.
3: it's weird, but there's something about the way they're tapping into like the forbidden element of what they're doing. And because it's like, like if you were a bunch that. of
2: teenage boys and you cut from school and you thought right. you were gonna go read Byron and Shelley, the thing you would really do is look at Playboy and eat chocolate chip cookies probably. totally and smoke cigarettes. Yeah,
3: absolutely.
0: So then the ending.
1: Captain, my captain. Sit down, Mr. Anderson. You hear me? Sit down. Sit down.
0: That for me is the most rewatchable scene. Same. If, they, if, me too. if I'm flipping channels and we're right around the point where the kids are about to fink on Mr. Keating, and I know that's coming up, I'm sticking around. It's uh the walk-off homer of, of movie scenes. It's like
2: Whatever you you think about that movie, not a lot of movies have the guts to end on a moment like that. There's usually then like 10 minutes of like, and here's what happened next. Or a little bit of like, we're going home for the semester. Yeah, there's no coda. It's just like... It's it's another one where... Bat flip you're fucking walking out of there in tears and applauding.
0: Yep. It's another one where Ethan Hawke just kind of crushes it, but you don't realize it till the eighth time you see the yeah, movie. Oh God, everything just, about his, his body it? language. Yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah. The way he screams Captain My Captain when he first is about to make yeah. the climb is really, really, really Also amazing. a moment that's
2: become now like Completely divorced from its original text is now just like a cultural touchstone yeah. and reference point, which people probably don't even know. Like, I was asking some of the younger people in our office today if they'd seen this movie, and they were like, "No." And I was
3: like, "But you know, oh, Captain, my Captain." They're like, "Oh, yeah, right." And then they went on to tell you that it was an elegy for Abraham Lincoln because <laughs> they didn't know the original history oh, behind it. Yeah. Now, is that not what happened?
0: I remember this was right. This movie came out right there in the VHS era where people were starting to buy them, mm-hmm. and I was in college and I was dating. This girl whose roommate was just watching it on videocassette one day, and I came in to get my girlfriend, and there was, like, 20 minutes left. So I ended up watching the end, and Ethan Hawke gets up, and then the camera cuts to pits. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And— my girlfriend's roommate, who had seen the movie already twenty times at this point, she's like, "Come on, get up there, Pitts!" Like she's talking to the characters. Every time I see Pitts, I think of that. But he has that look I on his face. Like, I should how many don't too.
2: get on the desk. Yeah. yeah, it's not a unanimous decision. There's no. a lot of really like, and it's it's a nice framing where they're all kind of like mm-hmm. they have their heads in their hands, and shame. But yeah,
0: and those people are now on Trump's cabinet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hold on, we got to take a quick break. This part of the Rewatchables is brought to you by the all-new BMW 3 Series. Don't be driven by technology. Drive it. State-of-the-art, feature after feature of the latest BMW innovations. Hands-free steering, personal assistant, backup assistant, frontal collision warning, and a whole bunch more. A completely redesigned interior with gesture control. What you'll love about this technology, it's so simple and easy to use. You'll really love the ve- about this vehicle. It can be listed or explained, not in words, but in feeling. The feeling of driving BMW, my favorite car. It has to be felt on the road, kind of like how for 30 years, a movie like Dead Poets Society has still held up. BMW, it's held up for more than 30 years. Go on old car websites. BMWs from the 60s. You can still drive them around and they're awesome. Hurry into your local BMW center and find a new BMW the all-new BMW 3 Series for yourself. God, I'm, it almost makes me want to go out and test drive one. Don't be driven by technology. Drive it. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. The all-new BMW 3 Series. Check it out. What's age the best? God, mm. I have a lot of things written down. <laughs> and I'm sure you do too, Mal and Chris. The first one I have for me is great villains. Mm. Mm-hmm. The old professor. Yeah. That guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just want to, like, punch him in the face. Just hate that guy. And then he comes in. Um, you can get your stuff now, Mr. Keating. Leave. <laughs> Leave, <laughs> Mr. Keating. Yeah. Uh, that guy's evil. Yeah. Cameron the Fink. Cam is Cameron. just an amazing villain.
3: Oh, my God. What an asshole.
0: You could save yourself. It's too late for Keating. And then uh, Neil's dad. You made a liar out of me, Neil. <laughs> Neil's dad. Awesome villains. Kurt Neil's McMahon. dad, evil. Just evil, or or <laughs> that's pretty clay <laughs> You Travis gotta saying, this you all thoughts. through the
2: pod. I can't, you gotta, Three, you great, gotta.
0: three great Villains, part of the first generation. <laughs> the uh, the Neil and Neil's dad dynamic, I think, is really good. Unbelievably good, good. and yeah. and one of those things that I ha I can't really remember captured correctly in a movie like this where you have this kid who clearly doesn't want to do what his parents have paved out for him and really wants to tell them and is just so afraid and intimidated of his parents that he just can't get the words out of his mouth. That I don't want to the, be the this person. The one scene with
2: the mom is heartbreaking.
0: And, where she's sitting there crying,
2: while, like, kind of welling up while they're going yeah. back and forth And Neil's dad's
0: it. like, what? Tell me! Yeah. Tell me what you want! And he just kind of can't do yeah. it. Yeah. And I thought, I think that is one of the most realistic scenes, not just in this movie, but of any 80s movie of what it's like for a kid who doesn't know how to talk to their parents.
3: It's also important because that all obviously is on the heels of the Neil Keating scene where Keating is trying to convince him to just somehow find the strength to tell his father what he wants to do with his life. And it's actually really important to not basically deify Keaton and make him this superhero who just has this wand that he waves to fix all their problems. Mm -hmm. That's not what it is, right? Finding someone who believes in you and who you believe in is really important, but it still ultimately has to be your choice to then follow through on that thing that they taught you. Yeah. And the fact that Neil, in that moment, just can't bring himself to do it. Like, he defies him because he goes ahead and does the play anyway, but when he's faced with him, can't say it, is so devastating because we've seen the people who we know care about him try to convince him that it's okay.
0: Did you think Keating believed him when he said he talked to his dad? Oh, no, no way. He knows he not No, I think that for a
2: second he does and then and then he doesn't. You like, can see
3: it on his face. Yeah. Yeah. And the worry. The worry that's there. Yeah. It was like when... Probably also knows
2: that like he's he's involved now. You know what I mean? Like that... that that this kid now looks at him as like a surrogate father figure and that, like, he's, in, he's deeply involved in this kid's life. The look
0: on Keating's face was the same look that I had when Mallory said Harry Potter was only gonna be 50 episodes. I was like, it's that. only gonna be 50. That's not what happened. <laughs> and I was like, and then I slowly didn't just, believe you as we That's not about. what happened. Young Always Ethan Hawk. 60. <laughs> Young Ethan <laughs> Hawke has aged the best. Young Ethan Hawk is great. Because now we have this 30 year history with him. Yeah. And at the end of this podcast, we're gonna play Craig the seven minutes where Ethan Hawke talked about that Poets Society Craig's already on my dreaming podcast what poetry he's gonna, he's gonna write he's what, checked out what's your verse Craig <laughs> I have no idea I just love that he's it's one of the best child actor but also all the seeds of what made him have a really good and awesome long career all in this movie I know you like this scene Keating and the other professor one-upping each other with the poetry at the dinner oh great oh, yeah. stuff show me the heart unfettered by foolish
1: dreams and I'll show you a happy man. But only in their dreams can men be truly free. T'was always thus, and always thus will be. Tennyson? No, Keating.
0: That was a Borderline most rewatchable scene for me. Yeah. And they're just throwing <laughs> throwing lyrics at each other, and then he's like, no, actually, I've I made me. that me. That's a Keating I think original. That this
2: movie say, like, better than something like School Ties, which I also like School Ties. I I like a lot, you know, like, a a lot of boring school movies, but... School Ties is great. Don't think that's not going
0: to be on the rewatch There's
2: nuances to each and every character relationship. Mm -hmm. So even when those two guys are at the dinner, the dining hall, they're passing the hot food back and forth and kind of going back and forth about about how to teach kids and what, you know, what they need to know. And you're, you know, you're, I never pegged you for a cynic. And he's like, yeah, I'm a realist. Mm -hmm. And he kind of has that realization himself. That's like a level of like humanity that often isn't afforded to characters like that. They're just there to be like, don't teach those kids poetry, teach them trigonometry. And now I exit stage left. Even the headmaster is obviously committed to a certain idea of how these kids need to be molded. Like that they need to be put on a path and then once they're out of their hands, like, they can decide they want to be an actor. So you're
0: like the headmaster, too. Look. You're, like, just pro-villain in this. <laughs> I'm just saying. Well, it is in the deleted scenes. There's that extra scene where Mr. Keating goes to see that guy for advice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Before, you know, he, when he knows they're, he's getting railroaded and the guy's giving him whatever. And I don't know how I felt about whether that should have been in the movie or not. Because I— on the one hand, I think it's more impactful that he just shows up at the end. But on the other hand, I kind of like that scene. I think
2: it's really efficient for the movie that it is. And this movie is blissfully, like, what if it— like,
0: Well, we, like, I I have some thoughts on some cuts in a second. Okay, <laughs> um, I do, too, actually. One of the what's aged the best for me is identifying yourself through the kids. Like, which kid were you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I felt like I've had maybe earlier points in my life where I was kind of more on the Todd side. Mm-hmm. But then, like in college, was more on the Rwanda side. <laughs> it's Nwanda? Nwanda. 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 Yeah. R- R- Rwanda's a country, I'm sorry. Yes. Nwanda. Bill. <laughs>
2: That's a fucking all-time moment, man.
0: <laughs> Rwanda, Nwanda. That's fair. Incredible stuff, SG. Thank you. Uh, Thank
2: you. Uh, yeah. you. Yeah, Mal and I were just joking about this. Like, I, asked, I was like, yeah. I want to I think that I was like... You said you're Charlie, you're Dalton. I said I I'd like to think that I was well no I was like I think I'm kind of like Dalton but I'm probably more like Meeks or something. <laughs> Meeks,
0: <laughs> get up there, Meeks. I'll
3: try anything once except sex. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I like Meeks. Meeks was a secret winner in this movie.
3: Pitts. God, I hope not. Pitts, man, I don't know. Who am I? You guys tell me. I don't think you could pick for
0: yourself. It's tough. It's tough to cross gender yeah. with this. That's not that hard. Hmm. You're, you're, you've you're got a Neil vibe. First, like, two months at Grantland, a lot of Todd. And, and then, then all of a sudden, yeah, Rwanda yeah, started yeah. coming out. That was partially my <laughs> fault because I never heard her back.
3: Yeah. yeah, Chris has still not responded to my Grant, Grantland year one emails. I don't paint the lightning bolt on my chest. I paint it in the middle of my forehead, as you know. Yeah.
0: Is I got like a Septon for thing? What's Age the Best. It's a Harry Potter okay. thing, Chris. Todd getting the same birthday <laughs> gift, tears in a row, exercising my right not to walk. I like that line. Mm. Phone call from God. What is this? Fo- we
2: doing just more what's, what's Age, the, what's the, age best? the
0: Best? I like phone call from God. If it had been collect, that would have been daring. That's a good line. Um, <laughs> I really like the scenes at Neil's play. Mm-hmm. I actually think Puck. that went as well as that's going to go when you usually shot. like, when they have. Yeah. When it's like a high school play, that's usually like the worst part of any movie. They never know what to do. And that one, it, you, you come out of it thinking like, oh, wow, that guy's a really good actor. Mm-hmm. And then they shove him out for the curtain call, which I like. Great like, shot, like when they're walking out for that, yeah. Yeah,
3: like you you wonder as his father is watching him, oh, my God, is he going to just have this this awakening, this yeah. this epiphany where he realizes that this is actually his son's purpose because he's so clearly – feels fulfilled and is like alighted by what he's doing. And then it's just such a gut punch when that's not what happens.
0: What Do you have any other? I have one more. What's age the best? But do you have any other ones? A lot of the mention? things
3: that we already talked about, you know, boarding schools as a setting.
0: New England boarding schools. Filmed in Delaware, of course. Though. You know, there's an Ohio boarding school. That's very hard to get into. I think it's called Thatcher. Yeah. No movies ever set oh. at the Ohio boarding cool. school. We could do that New for England. the Netflix show. So it's Vermont, <laughs> New Hampshire, Massachusetts, then everything to go to Ojai. We can do that, as Chris said for ours.
3: Poetry, the teacher who changes your life, the themes at the heart of the story. I like, especially now in our, our very data driven, you know, sabermetrically inclined mm. world, the moment when they rip out the introduction and basically it's like throw away the math and just follow your Post- heart math, for a second. Yeah. Like looking look inward at what's in your yeah. soul. I test. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. That felt really good to return to a moment like that.
2: I think that generally my my thing that's aged the best is the camaraderie between the kids and even like the little things like um on the first day when they're moving in and the one guy is like, wh- who comes in and is just like, kind of makes fun of Todd. And then Todd Cameron. So, Todd shows up right behind him and he's like, don't worry, he was born with his foot in his mouth. And then like, w- I think one of them starts smoking immediately, right. like as soon as the door closes. Yeah, that like, report the that they just with the, just with and the
3: radio other. and all that Chasing stuff. each other around the beds. Yeah, I just yeah. thought
2: it was like, really, really well pitched as like how guys of that age interact with each other.
0: The only other what's age the best I had was The moment, the curtain call, him leaving the play, them Keating realizing that his dad wasn't in on it, Mm -hmm. Charlie Dalton going, Neil, come on, Mr. Perry, that whole thing, Mm -hmm. going to the house, him being unable to talk to the parents, and then the suicide. Like, that is just so well executed. Yeah, Yeah. I remember seeing the movie in the theater and not it never occurred to me that he was going to Kill himself? I thought. I thought he was going to kill his dad.
3: Oh, interesting.
0: Which I don't know what that says about me. That 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 was where my mind went. Yeah, but I mean, when I mean, he was like getting the gun, I was like, oh my god, he's going to kill his father. Like the
2: kind of movies that were out in the eighties. Yeah, <laughs> you know. But he's such a gentle soul; he never would have hurt his dad. You know, no matter how much right. that obviously would hurt his parents anyway. But like, he—I don't—he right. he doesn't want to inflict pain
3: on other people. He just wants to find thing. a way to escape the pain himself. Yeah. But it's also like you spend a lot of the movie worrying about the other kids. I mean, obviously, like a, a lot of the back half of it is Neil's vulnerability and him trying to grapple with the fact that what he wants is not the, sa- the same as what his family wants for him. But you literally have a moment earlier in the film where Knox says, I'm going to kill myself. Mm-hmm. And Todd, for wide swaths of the film, is the one that you're really worried about. Mm-hmm. You know, he's so uncomfortable in his own skin. he's He feels like he's this intruder in this world where he doesn't belong. And yeah. so that ultimately, and end, who is Neil? He's the one who's comfortable there. He's yeah. the one everybody gravitates toward. And so that reversal, flipping the expectation that you initially have for those two, two characters is shocking.
0: So apparently people think they foreshadowed it during the first scene when he shows them the photos mm-hmm. and is talking about all these kids are going to be dead someday. He does that whole yeah, speech, worms. but the camera goes in on nail on that and yeah everything about that last scene is so really well done and so well directed like the way he puts the slippers on or takes the slippers off the dad before he goes to yeah. bed yeah. like he's just like oh this guy's a freaking ocd psycho and then when he goes he doesn't know what's going on he sees the smoke coming from man that's a literal just, smoking gun yeah <laughs> really really well done uh what's age the worst Oh, what? So, yeah, we uh, we agree in the camaraderie with the kids. I, I think, think so. that's yeah. What's, yeah, yeah. yeah the whole what's age the worst? Of Converse have also aged the best. By the way, a lot of great Converse moments in this movie. Charlie Dalton's paddle punishing—that one's a hard that one to explain in two thousand nineteen.
3: High on the list. Should we because try this at the aged ringer the worst? Yeah, that's the category. Should we paddle man? punish what's at the ringer? It, or we, no? No, no, certainly not. No, Okay. certainly not. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, we should not. Just saying, Adrian so, Peterson right. put up a lot of good
2: numbers. You've already
3: defended <laughs> Neil's dad and the headmaster. I'm not here
2: to, now you are going to defend banking
0: corporal punishment. Good. No. Okay. All right. So that has an age well. No. Terrible. Neil's mom, just bad job. Come on, mom. Brutal. Na- very 50s. 1959, 50s. mom. But come on, just chain smoking. Everybody was chain just unable smoking. Unable to intervene. <laughs> yeah.
3: Chain smoking. She would just have a jewel now. Yeah. yeah. I
0: have another what's age to wear. This She's is like a weird one, but. We've seen this movie so many times that just the feeling has aged the worst of when Neil kills himself in the theater. That was, like, unbelievable. What a gut punch to see that in a crowded theater and that whole scene. And people were just, like, really, really shaking. I kind of can't—I don't even know—
2: I kind of still can't believe it's in the movie and that 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 happens. I mean, the amount of control studios have over these movies. Maybe this is, it harkens back to a day when studios were a little bit more gutsy when it came to creative choices or whatever, but it's really Mm -hmm. wild to see this in like a movie that made $250 million has that ending.
0: Well, think about in 2019, how that would have been treated like online with the culture we have now. The people uh, would have been really upset. I think there yeah, would I have mean, been a I whole f- faction that would have been like, "This is really bad. You can't have this happen in a movie." And all oh, that. I so, see what you're saying. Yeah, I the What's Age the Worst? I didn't even realize it. Age the Worst, but that they cut that scene out of them practicing the lines for the play. I really like that. Mm-hmm. Then the finally for me. Um, Every single scene of Knox and Chet's I fucking, girlfriend. I have just that say, number one on the list here. You are weirdly doing this podcast
2: with two of Josh Charles's favorite fans. I biggest mean, fans.
0: Like, listen, I love my, Josh Charles too. I don't blame him. It's not his fault. Oriole diehard. Yeah, it's not his fault. Love Josh Charles. You honestly could have He's cut out all of the good. The good wife. You could have cut He's out great. all of them. Yeah, every yeah. single scene just it been just like. Is, it feels I like, like a girl, like a, and then just, he goes yeah, to. Play it feels with like a B
2: plot on a TV show. It's is so Knox bad. has a girlfriend that he's trying to get. And it,
0: is, yeah,
3: petting her and kissing her while she's passed out at a party and then stalking her at her school after she told him to leave her alone.
0: Yes, yeah. yeah, there's there's some, like, Very legit tough. stalking, which is... Very was, tough. Um, But the thing is, like, especially when you see the deleted scenes, it's like, oh, man. <laughs> like, we had more scenes with these kids that could have established their relationships with these guys, and they went this way with fucking Knox I think and it was Chet's probably girlfriend. just like,
2: this, all these guys are making these inroads into a real life, right? Like, they're making choices. Neil's becoming an actor. Todd's Mm -hmm. learning how to express himself through poetry. And Knox is supposed to find himself through love. And he's trying to articulate, like, a life to this girl that's different than the, like, guy with the varsity jacket. Chet. Chet Danbury? Is that who it is? Uh, And I get that. It's just that, like, it just feels like every time, it's a bad sign when you go to a plot line in a movie and you're like, God damn. Mm-hmm. You know, and that happens sometimes. But like, it's a, it's no fault of Josh Charles is that every time you cut to Knox, you're like, I would just rather be with Neil yeah. or Todd. It'd be Todd, interesting to see an edit even, of this he's just not Charlie. Charlie. You know? Oh yeah. yeah.
0: Or the kids play, hanging out at the freaking dinner and passing bread. Give and Give me making more fun of each of the other. the
3: kid with the just debilitating allergies and asthma. Oh, the vapor What's kid. What's his story? Yeah. yeah. The kid, the
0: kid. What's Pitts' backstory? <laughs> yeah.
2: Honestly, what do you guys think of this? Could they have just made Knox and Charlie the same character? Could they have just, like, collapsed that character?
0: I think Knox was a bigger part of the movie because Lara Flynn Boyle plays Chet's sister yeah. and got mm-hmm. cut out of the movie completely. So I actually think there were, like, more Chet scenes, which is nuts. So they they were trying to go with some... Chet. I don't know. I Apparently there's was more, more I kill the, you. about the Berries yeah. left on <laughs> cutting Floor. So we all agree that's age the worst. Uh, let's take a quick break. Let's take one more break to talk about Heinz mayonnaise. You may forget your coworkers' names, your mom's birthday, what happened on season one of Billions. Look, you'll never forget a delicious potato salad made with creamy Heinz mayonnaise. Foods with Heinz mayonnaise won't just be the unforgettably creamy highlight of your week; they may be the highlight of your twenties or thirties. Slather it onto a mouthwatering turkey club, mix it into a luscious garlic aioli, layer it on a ch- cheddar thesebur- uh, cheeseburger, or. Spread it on a BLT because of the unforgettable creaminess. Hours later, you'll be telling everyone within earshot just how good it was. One of my weak spots, a BLT with well-toasted bread and a little mayo on it. Oh, yeah. I love that. If you're making that, I'm eating it. Leave the boring old blah mayonnaise on the shelf where it belongs. Try something new. Try unforgettably Creamy Heinz mayonnaise and the new Heinz mashups: Mayo Chip, Mayo Q, Mayo Must, and Crunch. I like these names. Check it out—the Unforgettably creamy Heinz mayonnaise.
3: I can't believe no We're one cranking. mentioned the the snack situation in the cave. For what age, the worst? <laughs> you bring oh. it. You're in charge of bringing snacks to the gathering, and you you're bringing a half-eaten roll. And listen, it's 1959 in a in no! a boarding school. Shade as big raisin, but you're bringing raisin. What do you think they have
2: to eat there? It's a the boarding school in 1959 in New
3: England. It's not like they have bodegas they can stop by. There's not a Trader Joe's. They managed to get 50 milk bone treats for the dog before they snuck out.
0: That's true. That's true. Just saying. <laughs> well, that is also age the worst. <laughs> Casting what ifs. Oh. The part of John Keating was once intended for... Dustin Hoffman. Yeah, man, this is a crazy slide. It was door. also going to be his directorial debut. That part's wild. We drew from the film. Thank I God. Very different tone of this movie. If Dustin Hoffman is John Keating, I think it's just like, oh my God, I'm so inspired by Dustin good. Hoffman. It might still it's be just good. It's weird. It's darker. Yeah. yeah, it's a darker movie. Mel Gibson originally slated to play John Keating. Unbelievable. When Jeff Canoe took the director's chair, he demanded too much money, and they they went another direction. Jeff Canoe, director of Revenge of the Nerds. Oh that's right. wow! Yeah, Mel Gibson is Keating, nineteen eighty-eight. Mel Gibson. Put so, Red Post in the 80s. Lethal weapon, weapon Two. We don't know he's a. He'd worked with Peter crazy anti-Semite yet. Yeah, I, I think it, it wouldn't have been bad. Not as good as Robin Williams. Would he have had his Lethal Weapon hair? Maybe that would have been cool. No, he probably would have gotten a nice short one. <laughs> Liam Neeson landed the leading role. Then mm-hmm. that's incredible. But then he lost it when Robin Williams and Peter Weir came aboard. Liam Neeson. Taken? Dead Poet Society, somebody <laughs> crossed with toy soldiers. Todd gets taken by somebody. Instead of no, and it's like, it's like instead of retiring... taking the
3: kid, they take like his original edition of Leaves of Grass. No, or if they something like that. If they
2: take Todd and this like shy, retiring English professor is like, I have a very special of skills. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've been running for the intelligence committee. No,
0: whatever. Very special poetry skills. This one I'm just gonna read verbatim, because it's so fucking weird and so 30 years ago. Peter Weir planned to make Green Card in 1989 with Gerard Depardieu, but Gerard Depardieu
2: proved to be unavailable for a full year. Was he making like Three Musketeers or something? Disney's or Jeff- 1492 Columbus's Journey. I don't know what he
0: was doing. Disney's Jeffrey Katzenberg suggested to Weir that he should make another film in the intervening year and handed them the script to Dead Poets. So Gerard Depardieu, that that he was wow. such a huge star at the time, they had to wait a year. To film Green. Remember card when with they him. did dueling Columbus movies? Yeah, and both were bad, right? <laughs> what a time. To be so able- <laughs> Lara Flynn Boyle said she was edited out of the film and told not to attend the premiere. She told that story on David Letterman once. Last but not least, River Phoenix wanted to play Neil. The part went to Robert Sean Leonard. Wow. I got one more. Sam Rockwell
3: apparently auditioned for Charlie.
0: Really? I mean, according, according to, to the half-assed
3: internet research.
0: The Dan Waiters Award. Our nominees are Charlie Dalton, yeah, mm-hmm. and Neil's dad. It's, it, what about is, Cameron? Cameron the Fink.
2: Okay, Cameron I, gets quite a role. Like it's it's like a lot of like Lou Williams action going on for Cameron at the end of this movie.
3: I also have uh Norman, Norman Lloyd, Headmaster Nolan. I mean, he's in it. I. Yeah, is he in it too much, though? It's maybe one scene too many, but he's not, I don't think he's actually in it much more than Neil's
0: dad. Leave, Mr. Keating. Leave. He was a big <laughs> guy back when I was growing up. He yeah. was like Paper Chase mm-hmm. and St. Elsewhere, all this Threatening stuff.
3: Threatening them at the, basically at the funeral. I mean, that is just the whole like inquisition with Todd and his family. It's just, whew. the article inquiry and the gods. the God phone call scene. That's good. <laughs> Good good Dalton
2: So
0: who's your pick?
3: I think it's got to be Kurtwood Smith, Neil's dad, Mr. Perry.
0: He's the Dion Waiters winner? He's only in like four scenes.
2: I go with that. I'm sticking up for Cameron. I think Cameron fits the letter of the award better because he just comes in off the bench at the very end and is like, does like that speech and then gets punched in the face, which is very Dion Waiters.
0: And then he reads Pritchard. Yeah. Is it time yet?
2: Give it to us. Neil!
0: (laughs) Oh my son! No.
2: <laughs> so I just want to say, we're not trying to be insensitive, but that is that no, is a choice that Kurtwood Smith makes. And if I could just tie this into the other rewatchables categories to skip ahead, in the Danny Trejo Steve Buscemi Award, mm. it would have to be Danny Trejo, and he would go
0: Neil. So we have two Neil. Two rewatchable grandma. I had to do it, bro. Because <laughs> super a Neil and Neil. Oh, Neil! It's just great acting. I've seen the movie so many times that I've now passed being affected by it. And I can just (laughs) concentrate on the performance. half assed internet research. A scene in the original script showed Keating dying in a mm -hmm. hospital removed by Peter Weir. mm -hmm. Keating was supposed to die of leukemia because... that's apparently what happened to the teacher. Well,
2: and it was supposed program. to be hanging over the entire movie. That yes. part of the reason
0: why he was
3: why he has this carpe diem yes. mantra. Right. And maybe even
2: Do we ever find out much about like what the deal is Was he's got a girl in London. That's one of the unanswerable questions. What's right. up with the, wait, wait, the I woman? I
0: add that for later. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So would you would you have rather had Keating's leukemia subplot or Knox chasing I, down the blonde? Keep it out. The yeah. way it yeah. is is good perfect. without this. That's, that's perfect. perfect. We talked about how he had all the people room together.
4: Mm -hmm.
0: the shooting in chronological order I thought was a really Mm -hmm. interesting choice that I don't know if they do anymore but I liked how it played out for them Robin Williams considered this one of the favorite films that he ever did and he said Peter Weir was the best director he ever worked with Hmm. Mr. Perry wants Neil to be a doctor Neil became a doctor on House Robert Sean
2: Leonard
0: Neil! (laughs) Mr. Perry's revenge (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Perry so yet again Neil Perry's dad Maybe he had some good ideas. He that, was right. His son ends up having a good career in-house with Omar Epps. Was
3: that also one of the deleted scenes? Not Neil. Omar Epps. Who was on that I show? I want you to be in a show where they mention lupus every three episodes. One day
2: you're going to be on a television show with the guy from a movie called Juice. <laughs> His name is
0: Omar Epps.
2: Tupac will be in that movie. It's always lupus, Neil. I got a couple half-assed
0: ones. Okay. I had a couple more, but go. No, Take, you no, jump you're in. The you captain. go. Oh, no, captain,
2: go. my captain. You can finish the category and I'll I'll, I'll, I'll sweep up.
0: There's no right way to walk. Josh Charles and James Waterston. Do you know who that is mm-hmm. played Pitts? Mm-hmm. We're in the Good Wife together. That's right. 2010. You know this? I do. I watched the Good Wife. Was it a thing at the time when it was on? I don't remember thinking it was a thing, but it was. I, I, I do.
3: Pitts ran also know. looks really different. Yeah. So does Cameron a little bit. Yeah.
0: Cameron was supposed to stand on the desk, but the actor who played him, Dylan Cussman, vetoed the idea. He didn't think it was in character. And was surprised when director Peter Ware agreed. You can't do that after that speech. He could have done a different version of that speech where he
2: was like, "Guys, like I broke, I was under too much pressure, right. I yeah. gave him up, and they already know everything." Right. But he was like, but "He was dead like, I fucking, kidding. he was like, hail Hydra. Yeah. He was like, I, I like, I let, let's burn this guy to the ground. So you can't have him. Then be like, oh, Captain, my captain.
3: The only, yeah, he would have had to like be felled by a tro- like lightning strike if he had decided to climb up there. He yeah. didn't belong on that desk.
2: Also, it would have been really funny if they're doing, oh, Captain, my captain, and he gets up on the desk, and Todd's like, get the
0: fuck down, yeah, right, or Cam. shoved him off." <laughs> Shoves no, it's
3: got to then turn into the SNL sketch
0: the farewell Mr. Bunting oh that was great he gets his head cut off that was a funny one last one um, Chet Danbury played by Colin Irving, John Irving's son did the, not know that author, wow really? who is best friends with my friend Daniel Callison and I've spent many uh, many many uh, birthday party with him really? and he's just an awesome guy super handsome wow yeah He's he had this whole like weird couple years of acting thing because of his dad, and then just became a normal person. Hmm. But oh, yeah, my he's so, so he's Chet in this movie, throwing punches. Chet, I'll kill you. <laughs> what else did you have?
2: Uh, Robin Williams and Ethan Hawke did. Ethan Hawke thought Robin Williams hated, hated, hated him, him. Yeah. on the set because uh, Ethan Hawke was kind of doing a little bit more of uh, Take uh, me seriously as an uh, actor. Yeah, like a little bit more method, a little bit more like I have to be in a certain place, and this is who this guy is, and this is how I like to work. And Todd is not open in the most of the movie He has not opened up yet. And he was like, Williams would be out there like busting balls. And like a lot of that stuff about like, I know this is, you know, you don't want to talk Todd and all that stuff is improvised. And a lot of that was like Williams trying to make Hawk laugh and Hawk being like, I'm taking this really seriously. This isn't like your standup. And he was like, I don't think Williams liked me that much because of that. So hmm. that was really interesting. The only other thing I got is that Josh Charles did that bird, the the riding down the hill thing in one take.
0: Josh, Josh Charles. The funniest thing about this is you guys apologizing to Josh Charles like he had any say in I just the, his bit, poorly written character. Josh Charles does a good job in this movie. He
2: does. He's super likable. And he's like, I really like him as, a, as, a, as an actor. Yeah. So I don't want to make it sound like Josh Charles somehow is like a bad part of this. I thing. need we someone
3: else out there who's as invested in Dylan Bundy's fastball velocity as I am. You know?
0: We... We should put this in What's Age the Best. After this movie, I rooted for all the kids in this movie and whatever yeah. they did. Except like for Cameron. Ethan Hawk for years. <laughs> not, yeah, not Cameron. But anything Josh, Josh Charles was in, what was it, Threesome? I saw it in the theater. I was supporting the Josh Charles franchise. <laughs> Voted with your dollars. Bob. Voted Sean, with your Bob Sean Leonard, I was in. Whatever he was doing, I was rooting for Did you for watch him. House? Uh, I wasn't, I didn't support him that much. <laughs>
3: It's not like it's not like House was a struggling indie. That movie. That would have meant supporting me. Mr. Perry. And Bill, I was Bill's super
2: excited that, that he was
0: in there. Unsurprisingly, I love House.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you ride for you ride for Neil's dad, no matter and then what. Neil's
0: dad being in that '70s show, I could never Incredible. get past that.
3: They it, also they filmed in Delaware. Yep. After originally planning to film in Georgia, because apparently fake snow was too expensive, mm. too difficult. And then we did a bunch of these other ones already. But the studio wanted to make it a musical. Wanted to make the movie a musical. Oh, do the sets thing. Sultans of Strut would have been the name of the musical. The sets, they they, they burned them down. They did a day of shooting and Williams didn't (laughs) Didn't show show up. up. Because
2: his deal wasn't done yet. So they like the guy who was the Revenge of the Nerds director, I think, was going to start the movie. And Williams wasn't into it. And he hadn't signed his deal yet. And he made a lot of movies for Disney over the years. But... uh, he just didn't show up, and they were like, "I guess this movie's not happening." So they burned the sets down, and there's like footage of them burning the Dead Poets Society sets down outside of Atlanta. Jesus, yeah. Apex Mountain. This so, is this is. Can we have a quick Williams discussion within Apex Apex Mountain? I I'd been
0: saving it for right here. Okay. Hmm. I I wrote Apex what well, Apex Mountain. The first person I wrote was Robin Williams with three question marks. Interesting. You could make the case. Now I will make the case for. Morgan Mindy was a massive hit, and uh-huh. he was a huge, huge star in the late 70s. Good Morning, Vietnam uh-huh. was a huge, huge hit. I actually think this was his Apex Mountain because it's coming off Good Morning, Vietnam. He's awesome in this movie, and I don't think any other actor could have been both of those parts. And I left this movie thinking, we did it, Robin Williams. You did great. You're at the peak of your powers.
2: So you feel like this over... Technically, like Fisher King or Hook, where he is arguably like a bigger star, or Aladdin or Doubtfire. Fire. I, but oh. I think
0: this movie paves the way for him being able to do whatever movie he Vietnam wants and get paid. Yeah. Yeah. This movie plus Vietnam, and now he's like, whatever he wanted to do, he could do after right. that. Right. So he does because he was still Vietnam. a big star. Comic Relief was a huge deal in the mid 80s, yeah. like Came and Whippy and Billy Crystal. Yeah. But I feel like this did for him what City Slickers did for Billy Crystal, where Just put him on another level. Yeah, he
2: did Good Morning Vietnam in 87. He does this in 89, Awakenings in 90.
0: Right. And I don't think he gets Awakenings without those other two movies, because that was a big movie in 1990. It was a De Niro movie.
2: And then in 91, he did—it's really interesting, 91, because he does Dead Again, which is a pretty fun Kenneth Branagh, black and white Hitchcock kind of movie. Fisher King, which I think there's there's definitely people who love that. And Hook, which was a very complicated movie, but— it's bad, yeah. And then ninety two it is Aladdin, which is like one of the biggest movies of that decade.
3: What kind of weight do you give the the Oscar though for Good Will Hunting?
2: I feel like um, that was the culmination of yeah. The decade. That was a, that
0: was a career change. So I think Oscar. he deserved it. for He that deserved movie. it. But yeah, I don't think that was he wasn't at the peak of his powers at that point because he'd made a lot of bad movies by that point. Yeah, he's been right, right after really that rough. he just
2: does What Dreams May Come, mm-hmm. Patch Adams, Bicentennial Man. Like, one-hour photo. What you Dreams know May right?
0: Come is one of the five worst movies I've ever seen in my whole life.
2: <laughs> do you like—what th- do you think is worse, Dr. Moreau or What Dreams <sighs> May Come? No, Dr.
0: Moreau's funny, though. It's like a comedy. <laughs> you they gotta look that. at it. They you gotta look at it that. correctly.
3: <laughs> Flubber, right before Goodwill Hunting. Would you go
0: Alexandria Powers, Apex Mountain? Alexandria Powers, that like Chrissy, Chrissy— That was Chris, uh,
2: the girls, the blonde. Uh, I have a couple of unanswered questions. About Chris? So,
0: yeah. Well, can you save them? Sure, that's why I'm waiting. <laughs> um, you become I mean, a like
2: parliamentary. Parliamentary about rewatchables category. Well, I'm just
0: want to be in the right category. Point of order. I would say Pitts, yes.
2: Apex Mountain for Pitts for sure.
3: Yeah,
0: um, not for Cer- certainly for Dalton Charlie Dalton. So Dalton, we should talk about that. I, leaving this movie, I would have thought he was going to be a big star. Mm-hmm. And he really stopped acting pretty yep. much immediately after. And now I think he's a creative executive in mm-hmm. L.A. or something. But um, I don't know whether he didn't want it or just something happened. But if he, in this movie, he's as good as Ethan Hawke and um, Robert Sean. I, Robert Sean Leonard is really good. But I feel like he's on par with those oh. guys. Am I crazy? It's, he's he has such really a different charming.
3: energy. But, yeah, he's yeah, He's, he's very magnetic. magnetic. Yeah. You,
0: you wouldn't have choice. expected him to have— a career with a lot of parts coming out of this movie.
3: He's also one of the, that's one of the performances that you would love to just like transport into this. the version of this movie in 2019, where like, instead of always smuggling in cigarettes, he's vaping, you Mm. know? And like... (laughs) Yeah. What What is he ha- What's he pulling up on his iPhone? Right. Like in the hallway between classes. Like, wh- you know, what is he replacing the centerfold with? My
0: take. Or Joe Rogan.
3: <laughs> he's always got Pornhub booted up in class. You know. Pornhub.
0: Uh, other than that, I don't know for the other uh, what, apex about, spine, like Ethan what about like What about your no. boy? What about your boy, Bobby Sean? Bobby Sean. Oh, that's a tough one. He's had a good. He's had a good, solid career. Yeah. I think this probably was his apex. Yeah. Just because it was like. For me, it was him and River Phoenix are neck and neck after this movie now. Like, who's going to be the best right. actor of the next generation. Mm-hmm. And you don't, you don't think about him the same way after that. I think he was more of a theater guy, right? He, he, he was, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he would go he's on one to of those guys. Of, he does a lot of theater
2: with Hawk or did a lot of theater with Hawk. I think he and they did some, like, Kenneth Lonergan
3: stuff, I think, over the years. So, yeah. He found himself playing Puck, you know? Once you get that Midsummer Night's Dream experience.
0: This was the perfect part for him. Like, it really hit a lot of mm-hmm. different things. River Phoenix in this part would have been strange. See, he he He's would have brought some more baggage of like with it. Like an edge. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The uh, Joey Pants award mm. for over actor. No, this is. This oh no, is I'm the sorry. Guy, the guy. Joey Pants award for the that guy. Um, that Norman Lloyd. He's one of those guys. Mm-hmm. Paper Chase. Got to go. Also, sweater.
2: shout out to Malora uh, Walters, who sh- you know from Magnolia. Uh, she shows up in the cave.
0: Oh wow. Yeah.
3: Do you think that that guy can work in reverse? So, like, they it, it wouldn't have been people you said that guy about at the time because it was your introduction sure. to them for a lot of the kids. But now, when you return to it, or when somebody young, that guy? A, like, yeah, like if you show this movie to your kids and they look at Cameron, are they gonna be like, that guy, I saw him in the mule? You know,
0: <laughs> is Cameron in the mule? I think so. For real? I didn't see The Mule. <laughs> actually, Cameron belatedly became the that guy from this movie. Yeah, I think. Okay, yeah, so yeah, yeah.
3: It's in reverse. We'll it to it's
0: actually kind of a career ender in a lot of ways because you see him in anything. You just don't trust him. Yeah, you it's like uh, he's Kevin
3: McAllister's brother in
2: You're, right. You're always buzzed. It's nowhere to go. Yeah. yeah,
3: he's the sheriff in The Mule.
0: <laughs> Saul Rubinick, they knew I left blank for the overacting award for mm. this. Unless you want to go with... I, I think it's got to go... Neil. Neil? Neil. Oh, Neil! Oh, my God! Oh! No, oh, my no, son, my
2: right. son, my poor son. He's
4: all
3: right, he's all right, he's all right, he's all right, stop it. he's all, stop all, right. He's all stop right. He's oh, right, Stop it, stop it. Although, Neil.
2: although there's a couple of New moments mom here. in the cave. Dalton oh, really, interesting. Dalton playing the sax. Dalton
0: dows it up a little yeah.
3: bit. Yeah. <laughs> Neil's mom in the, in the.
0: Oh, he's okay? Yeah. I mean. He's okay, he's okay, he's okay. Yeah.
3: And the tears in the scene before that really hard on 1950s Housewives. Come for your child. I didn't like Stand mom. up for your child. Okay. Also, Chet.
0: If anybody treated Halo like that, Mallory <laughs> would oh have stood God. for it. Come on. Wouldn't have been smoking if cigarettes we on the side. didn't let the
2: cat act?
0: <laughs> is that what we're saying?
3: <laughs> it's whatever his passion is. That's the point. Okay. Isn't his
2: passion eating salmon? <laughs> Isn't that about the extent of it? <laughs> eating salmon. How dare let you? Let Halo though. eat his salmon. multitudes,
0: Chris. I'm sure. <laughs> Picking nets. mm what was Keating's relationship with his other classes? Did he have other classes? Fucking unbelievable question. He just had
2: one class? Yeah. Was there like a bunch of guys moved- who were like, how come we don't get that version of Keating? Yeah. He's just mailing in the other ones? I got the impression
0: it's a very small school. Yeah. Right? So. One class a day for Keating? Maybe mm-hmm. he teaches younger kids and he doesn't. Only tells the one class about Dead Poets Society. Well, it's maybe like, he's the other like, class. it's like I don't the, like the look in their don't eyes. get
3: that. Right. That's like a, that's your AP lit level.
2: Yeah. Because, like, it's like the freshmen, cheating. you just got to teach them the basics, like how to spell. But, like, the guys, well, hopefully they should know to spell by then. <laughs> but, you know, the guys who are a little bit older, you're like, you're about to go off into the world. I got some special sauce for mm-hmm. you. Some Shake Shack sauce.
0: It's a great job if you get to work <laughs> at a boarding school and teach one class. I can understand why he left his wife in London It was a, for that we unbelievable, unbelievable career opportunity. <laughs> the
3: economy was
0: bumping right then, you know?
3: Oh, God.
0: Just maybe— just never clicked with the other classes. He's doing his, that would have been a fun alternate movie where he's doing his shtick with the other classes. Maybe he, t- maybe he was the soccer and just coach. Too. That's,
3: that's, that's another nit. Yeah. Is, like, is, he an, is he the soccer coach? Are they taking gym class? And is he just continuing the literary lessons during PE? Right. Or is he is or is part he the of his Pep strategy of,
2: of Welton? So I had that in
0: unanswerable questions, but we could do that now. Um, was he the soccer coach? How did they do? Was there a title game? <laughs> yeah. Who was the best player? I had that one Can soccer set. had so many questions. Speech? Yeah. Can you imagine oh, man. John Keating's halftime speech? Who do you think was the attack mid? The, the
2: attacking midfielder, like yeah, the, on, the, on the on the team. Uh, well, mm-hmm. you want Pitts up front.
0: Pitts, you think was the nine? Yeah, you lob it up no. up front to Pitts. He's in
2: a the, defender. No, in the fifties,
0: it was all long. Ball. I would add Pitts mm-hmm. as a so you go sweeper.
2: Ariel to Pitts, he knocks it down, and then. Uh, Cameron, and then Cameron slides in there.
0: Cameron's like a slide tackling yeah. left back.
2: Yeah, no, K- Cameron's like She's Andy taking Robertson. kids out. Yeah.
3: <laughs> so what do you think his halftime speech would have been?
0: What Todd's
2: the ball like, boy. What if it was Super Belichick? Do your job. No, it's like
3: <laughs> clear eyes, full hearts. We are food for worms, lads.
0: The kid, the the cat. What was the put po- the three word poem the guy did? The cat on the mat or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think seven. that guy was pretty awesome midfielder. Yeah, you know he yeah. was. He was pretty I think much he like was
2: friggin' like Johnny he, Unitas workhorse. <laughs> that guy.
0: <laughs> and I think I think uh, like, Noanda was probably good too. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe not as talented as the results, but so much confidence, everyone had to take him. Seriously. Do you think no, doesn't maybe take he play? No, Niels. I could see maybe Pitts is keeper. Well, yeah.
2: David De Gea, yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep make, him, make him throw it up the whole net.
0: <laughs> they should have had Neil play and he could have scored a goal and his dad could have gone, Neil!
3: My son! My son! That'd be good. Just scored. More number. number can't
0: believe they didn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mr. Keating's wife was in London. Why? Why didn't is, it, she? is it his wife or his girlfriend?
3: Unclear. That's one of my unanswerable questions. Here's my, it's idea. Not clear. Here's
2: my vision for this, right, is this doesn't quite work out. But if you take that he's supposed to be sick, maybe, like they, uh, he stays in London after the war, right? So he's supposed to be like 40, right? In the movie?
0: Some unanswered questions. Okay, this. so
2: if he's 40, World War II is. I
0: think, they I think Mr. Keating's like 34. Well, wait, or 30. did they
3: show the date on his annual, on his yearbook? Because no. they show the yearbook.
0: Oh, yeah, I don't know. So we might
3: be able to check and do the math, actually. So I thought he was mid 30s. I, I just figured he's
2: a World War II veteran, stayed in London, met a girl gets sick, comes back to the States to start his life. Maybe they never get married. The maybe. girl
0: ditches him? He's dying of cancer no, and the girl's like, I'm Maybe she's good. not even,
2: I don't even know. You know what I mean? He's like, it's How about complicated.
0: about this? There was no girl.
2: Oh, you think he's like catfishing them?
0: Yeah, maybe, maybe making it up. He's actually the janitor? I don't really know. It's like, my, girl, my girlfriend's in the Niagara Falls area.
3: I assume that's where he's going now, you know? London? Gotta go see about a girl. Mm. Mm. At the end of all of it.
2: Um, He's going to take the job managing Manchester United. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is a pretty big nitpick.
3: There are some big ones.
0: It bothers me. Is this nitpick or... Wait, do we do? Was that We're just on unanswerable? Still. We're wait, still we on skipped nitpicks. ahead to, for a couple. We're back but, on nitpicks. Okay. Goes to get his personals right there in the class. Yeah, that's tough. Couldn't have gotten that at like seven in the at night when nobody was around. It's like, yeah. So when am I going to get my stuff? I know when. <laughs> During the only class I teach. <laughs> Which starts at 9 o'clock. 9.05 might be a good time to grab like that book I left behind. Come on.
3: I have another one from that, that exact scene.
0: He, he also goes into another class, and they're like, oh, hey. Yeah, see ya. <laughs> good luck, man. He
3: hey. didn't know that the headmaster used to teach English.
2: Because he went to to Welton.
3: That's so weird. How would he not know Their that? Their relationship
2: is odd. Because I couldn't tell in that conversation they have with her, he's saying... I taught English, it was before your time, whether he's referring to the time right now or when he was a student there.
3: It would be like if you said you didn't know that Bill used to write about basketball.
0: That'd be pretty funny. But like what if I got pushed out of ESPN, hypothetically, <laughs> if I had just shown up right during the big meeting on Thursday at two, like, hey guys, sorry, I'm just going to get my stuff <laughs> So do you, two, was, do you think it was two You think Sox it was deliberate? I think it was deliberate. I think he was mad that those guys sold him yeah. out, and he was like, "You know, I'm going to get my fucking book." Interesting, right there in this class. And fuck these guys. Yeah, I don't know. Didn't make a lot of sense to me. What do you have for nitpicks? Okay. Uh oh.
3: Mrs. Perry doesn't hear a gunshot going off in her own home. So he's like, it, "What was that sound? What sound? In the a 1950s, gun went off in your home, people's."
2: Bloodstream was 62% gin. And so she's and cigarettes. Probably. Yeah, pickled. She's,
0: she's plowed.
2: Yeah, because like. She didn't know what happened until 12 hours play, And what's the solution to the whole thing is like everybody should just go to bed, which tells you about like what was going on in 1959. There wasn't a lot of like, I'm gonna check Twitter, see what's going on. Maybe, maybe catch up on younger. On Hulu, you know, like it's just like just go to bed. So she's probably like six cocktails in the bag by that point.
3: I feel like you hear a gun and go a off. 100 cigarettes. Just yeah. my take. Also, this it's is a fair
0: point, by mal well, I, I agree I, good don't, nip w- I
3: don't I don't be morbid. There is not nearly enough blood All in right, the study no, agree. Jesus. I, there is I, not I'm there's and the the way that Mr. Perry realizes something happens is that he smells something and then he sees the smoke you see a little like spiral of smoke but you don't see blood all over the wall i I paused and examined closely and there is blood to the right of the drapery oh really on the wood paneling but not nearly
2: that's how you get the movie released you can't have his friggin head blown off in this movie and then be like and now we do oh captain my captain yeah. Disagree. Could have been a little more, but right. you guys have been broken by Game of Thrones. <laughs> you think it like arterial spray is the only thing that matters.
3: <laughs> Less is more, people.
0: Could have been like Marvin and Pulp Fiction, yeah. like that kind of
3: I also just think the whole strategy <laughs> for the initial escape, the first time they go to the cave is a slightly confounding. You know, they're worried about being oh, yeah. found out, which is why they give the dog treats to the dog, to quiet the dog so that the bark doesn't give them away. But what about the crunching? What about the dog treat residue that's going to be everywhere? They're not worried about that? I think that there's What about bed checks?
0: A lot of dog treats. How many like just way too you many, many us dog a picture treats this? Like 20 dog treats?
3: Uh, yes.
0: Like the dog's throwing it's dangerous. up and it's stomach might turn. Yeah. Dangerous. Dogs in the 50s were major stronger stuff.
3: <laughs> they are, they, the dogs were six gins deep. <laughs>
2: you guys are really disrespecting
0: fine. the 50s. <laughs> dogs had tougher stomachs.
2: <laughs> they ate like like old steak and drank milk all day. That's what dogs weren't getting like organic
0: buckwheat treats.
3: Halo yeah. only eats organic. They were eating serving so. I was offended ryes. by this. Yeah.
0: What else for an epic?
3: Couple more quick ones. Oh when Knox goes to Chris's school, yeah, and asks just a random person in a random hallway at a crowded school where she is, and the girl's like, she's in room one eleven. <laughs> it could happen. <laughs> I went to a school. I went to that's a pretty right. small school. Just I know, would have known where most lawned. people were. Yeah, yeah. that's pretty. Okay, funny. she was also not actually in that room though. She was at her locker. But be that as it may. <laughs> The investigation after Neil's suicide is conducted entirely by the school. Where are the authorities?
2: So you want Law & Order SVU to check in here after <laughs> after Neil dies. You want you want Maloney in here swabbing down the scene.
3: <laughs> I don't know. I'm just asking the questions, man. It's a category on the podcast, okay. and I'm taking it seriously. If we are doing
2: unanswerable questions, I do have a question. It's is how much longer do Knox and Chrissy date?
3: How, much wow. long, how
2: long do Knox and Chris go? Josh Charles himself told Entertainment Weekly, "I don't think that relationship had legs.
0: I I think it was probably one date, and, and then probably she there's realized- a premature ejaculation scene. <laughs> <in him laughs> Chad had way more staying power." <laughs> Chet was a real man. What
3: befell Chet? That's one of the unanswerable questions. What happens to that guy? Also, like, like, does he follow through on his threat to to try to murder Knox if Knox makes a move on his girl?
0: Seemed like a violent drunk. Yeah, I think Is Knox he a man gets of his killed. Word? That's the sequel. You think Chet side. kills Knox? <laughs> <laughs> That's how Dead two starts. Then <laughs> <laughs> he said he was going to kill him. Is that for Netflix? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. All right. I don't think I don't think Mr. Keating had a wife. <laughs> We're skipping best quote because we get to go. There are too many. We also did. There are so many though. So So many many wonderful Um, quotes. Could this be remade as a 10-episode Netflix show? I was surprised how excited I was to answer yes for this.
2: Yes. Yeah. It's been 30
0: years. Craig's generation doesn't even know what this movie is. They could just run this back. Would you do it modern though? Would you do a 2019 version of this?
2: Uh I think that would be the
0: bigger challenge would be trying to get kids who have so much distraction to
2: focus on specifically like romantic poetry. It would be interesting if it was like a guy who was teaching at a pretty Tony school who was trying to get them into like a little bit more. They read edgy tweets. Poetry.
3: They read tweets instead. Yeah, they of they would just they would just read like. Dark it's like tweets. it's all about instead of reading. You're not you're not reading Walden Pond, yeah. right? You're converting that into an Instagram.
0: Certain memes. You're taking <laughs> poem lyrics. Yeah. And turning them into little memes. Yeah, Maybe Tate's on something is, with his Instagram. It's a, it's a field trip to Walden Pond, and
3: then it's hashtag no filter. <laughs> and that's the modern version of this.
0: Uh, I'm <laughs> you get the Riverdale up. cast. If we could have the society, we could have Dead Poets Society know, 2020. Yeah. Unanswerable questions. The only other one I had, I'm yeah. really fascinated by the soccer team and how they did. I, <laughs> I want to know they played. <laughs> You could that could have been 20 minutes of deleted scenes. I would have watched all of them, see what formation they used. I also
2: have a question is like what what's Keating's next job? Because you have to figure mm-hmm. that, that res that that reference is probably not viable anymore at Welton. How how did things end there? Well, there was a production of Midsummer Night Dream and didn't go well. So he's probably not getting another teaching job immediately. Does he, does he ride the rails?
3: Goes across the pond, man. Goes to find his love. Okay. Right.
0: Um, don't you think? Yeah. What were the ads of 1989 when you watch this movie that Ethan Hawke would land 30 years later as the biggest star from this movie? I mean, Robin Williams is no longer with us. So that was part of it. But, but I would say I at mean, least Hawk 10 D, to 1, right? Hawk,
2: for, to Hawke's credit, he's had peaks and valleys, man. But he never goes off the map. He's always been like in the mix from the explorers on. Like every four or five years, Ethan Hawke is like, holy shit, Ethan Hawke,
0: man. Um. Introducing a new category before we go to who won the movie. I also
2: really like the idea that even though the timeline it doesn't work out, that uh Todd is the same person as Jake Hoyt in Trading Day. <laughs> Also, a guy trying to... You know, oh wow! You know, no, like it's that. like
3: it's the Reverend Toller character yeah. more from First Reformed. He's all like Todd is very much about finding that balance between hope and despair, I think, and probably also puts pepto bismol into his whiskey. <laughs> it seems like a Todd thing. For unanswerable questions, what about the the phone in the in the it's God Ad, bit? The who the called phone? him? Yeah, who called Charlie Dalton in that oh, that's scene? He was in help. on the bit with him.
2: Yeah, you think it's God. <laughs>
3: Maybe maybe it's one of the girls that he wants to be able to oh, yeah. attend while it in the academy. There's
0: Boyle. New category. Oh God! It's it's only Is okay. It a- occasional. It's not. It won't be every watchables, but I'm putting it in this one. Um, hottest take.
4: I have a <laughs> I hot I take for this
0: movie. <laughs> Are we sure Keating didn't kill Neil? Oh my God! <laughs> Are we sure? Bill. He's got a boy, an emotionally distraught boy. Just let me finish. He's got an emotionally distraught boy,
4: Mm -hmm.
0: clearly going through stuff, who clearly has some crazy shit going on with his dad. Comes to him for advice, Mm
4: -hmm.
0: tells him, You have to tell your son, you have to tell your dad what you just told me, sees him the next day. Did you think this before the pod started, or is it because it's 102 degrees and it's really warm in here? It's really warm. (laughs) Sees the kid the next day. Did you talk to your son? Like Neil. Oh, yeah, I talked to him. It's clear the kid's lying. Yeah. Does nothing. Maybe, he, did he deserve to get fired? Maybe he did. Uh, I we don't, think of, like, he got railroaded, but are we sure he got railroaded? I can't believe that. Did he get railroaded?
3: The two things that have happened on this podcast are Bill assassinating John Keaton's character mm-hmm. and Chris standing up at long last
2: <laughs> for, for Mr. Dad. Barry.
3: Neil's father.
2: Are we sure
0: he wasn't completely negligent? I, as I, I think as it, no somebody, matter you know, what happens, Professor Rowe loses
2: his job over what happens to Neil. Probably. Yeah. In any kind of like, okay, let's break this down. So Neil faked a letter. What was the right he way went to went handle to this it? this guy and was like, I'm going to be in the play.
3: But there's a chasm between would he have gotten fired and Even is he in responsible? In 1959,
2: they're not like, wow, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of like shades of gray to this story.
0: So he knows the kid's full of shit. But his files it away and goes, All right, time for the play. Who's going? Right. And meanwhile, he knows this kid lied to his dad, and his dad's a freaking psycho.
3: But part, okay, not to get too heavy and serious here, but I think part of the sincere tragedy of Neil's character is that you never really know how much pain he's in. You know, he expresses. But do, Keating knows, though. Not, he knows from those that two that scenes. Extent, though.
0: He knows that he knows the kid is like really tormented by this. He knows that he's this.
3: struggling, and he knows that he's, he's really. At a loss for how to navigate this phase of his life, but I don't think there's a moment where he thinks is this is this is he in jeopardy?
0: He's crying in front of him.
3: I cry in front of you like six times a I know, day. He's, Always on podcasts about Neil. movies. He's star,
0: he's star <laughs> of the thing. I thought Keenan could have handled some stuff better. In okay. retrospect, hmm. he's in London thinking about it right now. Sure, counting. You not with those, me on
2: this, counting all those Premier League trophies he won. <laughs>
0: Kitty. That would have been a good epilogue. He took over Manchester United. Yeah. Ah, I thought he could have handled some stuff differently. Do you have maybe give the take dad a heads
3: movie?
2: up? Mm, Aside
0: from the, the oh, crime just my, scene, my
3: yeah. That there needs to be hot. more blood and less um. Did, did Neil fake his and own less death petting without consent?
0: Uh, I, no, I don't know if I have a hot take. Um, we didn't need to. I just made up the category okay. on the spot. Who won the movie? Williams. Robin
2: Williams. Come on.
0: Do you think Kurtwood Smith won it? Bobby? Coming out of the movie in 1989 who did you who would you have thought won it? Robin Williams. Okay. I was going to make the Bob Sean Leonard case just a little (laughs) bit. There's
3: nobody who can do those classroom (laughs) scenes like Robin Williams could have.
2: No I agree.
0: I think he won the movie as well. All right.
3: Also Walt Whitman won the movie. Yeah. Shout
0: out to Walt. Shout out to, to Big Walt. Which poet? And Willie Shakes. Which poet won the movie?
3: Uh, I mean, a, a a lot of great looks for a lot of great poets, but certainly the ones, of, uh, you know, you get you get your Byron mentioned, Shelley, we get some Tennyson, but it's it's got to be Whitman and Thoreau for the weight that they carry, and yeah. Shakespeare because of the role that A Midsummer Night's Dream plays, and we get some sonnets too. Right.
2: and I think he explains like how words can come alive if you just read them a different way. Who is yeah, the then poet the who inspired, of Puck?
0: what will your verse be? Whitman. Whitman. Oh, so he wins. Yeah. yeah. What kid wins? Robert Sean Leonard? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
2: Hulk is really Sons Sons
0: Sons the which drunk chain smoking murderous mom? One you think it was Neil's <laughs> guys, Neil's mom? This is a out weird on one. Neil's
3: mom. <laughs> out on Neil's mom. I get it. You're gonna blame Keating, but not Neil's mom. Just, she couldn't stand I'm, up for her son. Couldn't try to support him. Put an arm around her boy and say, "I believe in you."
0: Gave him the same death set two years in a row. <laughs> Neil's mom sucked.
3: That was. Todd's parents, yeah. Todd's parents.
0: <laughs> oh, my bad. They're, and they made it's him sign 145 the paper. Forty-five degrees
3: so here. <laughs> Neil's dad
2: was like, "I stormed the beach at Normandy. You're going to Harvard." Yeah.
3: We need to take our our crowns off and open the window and let the snow in, yeah. like Neil. Thanks for before listening. Before we pass Thank out, you. carpe diem.
0: We, we do this podcast called The Rewatchables where we rewatch. We didn't oh, yeah. do Dead Poets, but, but I remember should, but something about know. that year and we were like, who won that year? And we looked it up and we we're like, driving Miss Daisy. When was the last time anyone had a conversation with that movie?
1: Not in any positive light. No. They sometimes might make fun of the movie. Right. Because it's not quite what it was pretending to be. But... Well, Dead Poets was great because I was with Robin Williams
0: from, you know... More from work on Happy Days, not even More from Mindy yet. The He right. was on Happy Days and then had this and started to do movies and world according to garp and
1: Never really found film.
0: the perfect role. Role, yeah. I love Garp, but I don't. I think it's considered to be not like a. Yeah,
1: no, people didn't like it, and people weren't ready for him as a serious actor. Right, and he's it, a really good serious. It, actor. He's a really good serious actor, and, and Dead Poets Society kind of broke that spell, and the, and um, it was the perfect movie for him at the right time. Yeah, and Good Morning Vietnam had a lot to do with that too, because Good Morning Vietnam let him be a stand-up, yeah. and have a few dramatic scenes, yeah, and that prepared audiences to be ready to take him seriously as a high school professor.
0: How much ad libbing was he doing in the, in those school, a, in the classroom lot. scenes? A lot. Because it seemed like you guys are like
1: cracking up. It was funny, you know, everybody's been, Robin's been on people's minds since yeah. he past, you know, and, and uh, I think about those days and I had a very funny reaction to him going off script a lot, which is that it, it I was trying very hard to be a serious young actor. I loved Peter Weir and I was I think maybe because of the explorers. I was friends with River Phoenix, and he, River was a great actor. Yeah. And I really wanted to be a great actor. I, I, you know, when you're 18, you're full of all this idealism about what a great actor is and what does that mean. And, and Robin just comes in his set, and all he does is joke. And the kids are all laughing, and I would never laugh. And he would just zero in on me. <laughs> He's just, and, I'm going to get oh, this guy. Kind of like, kind of like, Reggie Miller with Spike Lee or something, you know, he just zeroed in on him and he just, he would do anything to make me laugh. And the more he tried, the more inside myself I retreated and it made him insane, you know? Um, But that was kind of weirdly your character to some degree, my character and it worked. But maybe that's why you're retreating. Well, and then I had this amazing experience because I kind of thought he didn't like me because he would tease me mercilessly. And and then the movie was over and I got this call from creative artists agency in Los Angeles, California, the biggest Hollywood agency in the world. And it was like, yeah, uh, yeah, it's just Ethan Hawke. I'm like, yeah, I'm in my college dorm, you know, back yeah. at college. And, and, uh, said, uh, yeah, well I'm Robin Williams agent. Robin says you're going to be a great actor and that I should represent you.
0: And really? uh, So would you
1: like to meet? And I said, yeah. And I got to meet these guys and, uh, you know, the, that guy is still my agent, Brian Lord at CIA, and But we met through Robin Williams. That's amazing. And, you know, so I'm forever grateful to him for that.
0: That was one of the first movies that had the ensemble cast of young actors who were clearly headed somewhere. And then you saw that the same formula has happened yeah. since a few times. But yeah. I do feel like that was the first. And I remember like that was one of the staggering things about just seeing that movie in the theater. Like the acting from the kids was so good. Yeah. Wasn't wasn't really a typical thing back then.
1: No, it was a great experience too. And you know, one thing that was fun for us that is that as good as Robin was in the movie, he really had a supporting part, right? I mean, right. Right, You know, we we all had big parts in the movie, and and uh, in in foreign countries, Robin Williams wasn't famous because he's very difficult to translate. Yeah, he speaks so quickly. His jokes are so nuanced and so mercurial, and you know, he's cross referencing. You know, he'll make a joke about. Andre the Giant and Muhammad Ali and Larry Bird in one sentence. And a lot of those references are, are 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 people that in France they don't get. Yeah. So like Robert Sean Leonard, Josh Charles and I, we would get invited to Japan or Cannes Film Festival because they didn't really care that much about Robin at that time. Later, his, his international fame went. but it, So it was a great experience.
0: All right, that's it for the Rewatchables. Thanks to Voodoo. They have over 150,000 titles available to rent or buy, on one of the uh, best streaming apps there is. Over 10,000 titles you can watch for free on their ad-supported-on-demand service. Enjoy everything. Blockbusters, indie films. Right now, they have, I'm just looking, Open Water, Jerry Maguire, Stand By Me, Platoon. We did a Jerry Maguire Rewatchables once upon a time. You can find that in our archives. Head to voodoo.com slash Rewatchables to sign up, start watching today. VUDU.com slash Rewatchables. And thanks to uh, JCPenney, Razor Game with MSX by Michael Strahan. Athletic-inspired functional pieces designed for guys who are always on the go. Available exclusively at JCPenney from Working Out, Playing Golf, or Just Relaxing. MSX by Michael Strahan has you covered. Includes MSX basics, pants, shorts, shirts, sweatshirts, outerwear, big and tall, boys' sizes too. MSX by Michael Strahan is available exclusively at JCPenney. Visit a store near you or go to jcp.com. We'll be back a little bit later this month with more rewatchables. Until then.